0: should have stayed home and played with myself what do you like to do oh i don't know play chess
1: screw well let's play chess the indianapolis colts select anthony richardson quarterback florida richardson gonna take off and run he's in there touchdown i-n-d-y the
0: first career touchdown here's Halliburton into the front court mishandled it but gets a shot hits it hits it John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The fans. I shall say this.
2: I think we're getting started with a little bit of an appetizer for this weekend. This weekend around here is going to be fantastic, but for example, you get the Pacers and the Milwaukee Bucks in round number two of a home-and-home coming up later on tonight, 7 o'clock. Of course, you can hear it right here, and I am incredibly excited, but I'm trying not to go over the top. I'm trying not to get so incredibly excited because you know I've had a feeling about games like this. I felt the same way. I remember I mentioned that before that in season tournament finale the championship game. I said it last week, Indiana State and Michigan State on the road at the Breslin Center. And I'm going to say it again tonight. I cannot, because I think the games hang in the balance here. I cannot get overly excited about a lot of games because when I do most of the time and I am keeping track most of the time those games turn out to be not at all as I thought. You go back to that Vegas game, you know what happened there. I ended up having my uh, my ex-account just being riddled With anti-me and anti-Miles and Pacers stuff, remember, that didn't go as planned. Uh, Indiana State at the Breslin Center of Michigan State, yeah, sure, they hung in, right? They hung in. That's good, whatever, but they lost. Got excited about that. Same thing kind of holds true tonight. Because I have really enjoyed, I've enjoyed this Milwaukee and this Pacers matchup so far. And why not? Giving you all the kind of drama that you need this time of year to invest yourself. And when you think about it from a Pacer standpoint, the Pacers have had the fan base be really excited. The fan base become incredibly skeptical. Remember at the beginning? The fan base get excited, re-energized again with the Boston, with the Milwaukee in the semifinal with that whole Vegas thing, and then kind of fall off the bandwagon again with a losing streak and wondering what in the world is going on to being right here. I'm telling you, I talk about the Colts in terms of a roller coaster. This Pacer team has been a roller coaster. But, man, let me tell you this. These roller coaster rides, we know this. You just want to make sure at the end it's enjoyable. I have used this description for the Colts all season long. It's accurate. It has been up. It has been down. Let's just think about it in terms of the past two, three weeks. You're all up and all excited that Saturday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You finally dispose after, what, eight or so games of uh, the Steelers beating the Colts. They win and win it decisively. They did it in a bully football type of fashion. I mean, really everything that you asked for. And then you get all excited. They go to Atlanta and right down the toilet. Meantime, Atlanta the week prior in Carolina, they lose. That was disgusting. And then they house the Colts on Christmas Eve. And then they go back to losing against the Bears last week. Meantime, last week, you saw the Colts get back on track against the Raiders. The Raiders, a hot team. Really not a good team, a great team, certainly not. But, you know, above average, kind of like we're talking about with the Colts. Coming in here, nothing to lose. You get an interim head coach. Most of those players seemingly want back. You get a rookie quarterback in a win over Kansas City. Everybody's feeling good, and the Colts sidestep that. So what part of this roller coaster are we going to be on coming up on Saturday night here? Man, there is such a have-to. I mentioned must-wins, right? Everybody laughs. Everybody's on board with it. Now you have to be on board with it now. But there are games, as I mentioned, over the course of the season that are just always going to be, to us, right, and to the grand scheme of things, more important. I know what you're saying. Well, no, I mean, you got to win them all. Yeah, no doubt. You'll want to win them all. But there are going to be points in the season that are more important. And I don't care if it's week number one or the final weekend of the regular season. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, In this case, this is what it comes down to. And I've said this all along, while I think most of the feeling is going to be, and I hate to start out with the negative here. I want to keep you in the positive. But to start out with a negative, I think most people here will have a sense of satisfaction if the Colts lose in this season. Yeah, you know what, everything's going to be okay. You look down the road to the future. Didn't think this was going to happen. Didn't think the Colts were going to be in this situation. So everything is okay. But to me, I look at it differently. And I do believe that a lot of Colts fans are in agreement with me. Because it's been such a long time since you've had anything really fun to be a part of. Just getting there. I mean, when you get this close and you have a home game of determination, and the cut in the dry is you win and you go to the postseason, you lose and you're done, that is a magnified must win. I'm sorry, I'm going to be just incredibly disappointed if they don't win. If we're talking about losing on Monday, I'm going to be disappointed. You look at that roller coaster with the Pacers. You don't want them to hit that dip tonight. You go back to the night before last, they get that win. I thought that that was the most impressive win they've had all season long. When you account for what everything that played into it, you know, obviously this, this new found in the crosshairs that the uh, the Bucks have for the Pacers, which is a good thing, by the way. You want the good teams of the NBA pissy about you. But you also have to follow that up with winning games. I mean, it just can't be something – it can't be something where – it can't be like a Dylan Brooks thing to where, all right, I'm just going to, like, piss everybody off, but you, you can't lose. And I know that they're winning in Houston with him, and I know that they won in Memphis with him, but you know what I mean. I mean, there there is a shelf life for that junk. Just like there's a shelf life for the junk of Draymond Green. I'm okay. I'm okay during a long season in the NBA. If you bring some drama, if there is drama, I think we live on that. We revitalize by that because the season goes from October all the way until almost July. And if you're fortunate enough to be a part of it that long, there is no way you're not going to sidestep a minefield or two trying to get your way through this whole thing, and and sometimes the soap operas can drag you down. Don't get me wrong, Draymond Green and Golden State—that's dragged them down. Make no mistake about it. But the the soap opera of Dylan Brooks, at times, um, it, it has it almost looks like that his his feature with that young team has been as helpful as anything else. So I didn't really mind that the Pacers got under the skin of the Bucks, and the Bucks reacted that way. I it was a fun conversation to have. But as an end result, what matters the most is what happens on the floor. And I love the fact that a couple of nights ago, the Pacers go to Milwaukee. It's on New Year's Day. Their starters did not, for the most part, have the games in which you would hope or suggest they should have. And you got picked up from the bench. You snapped a long win streak that Milwaukee had in their building. And you knew going in exactly what Milwaukee felt about this group. I just thought that given all those circumstances, that was as big a win, as impressive of a win as we have seen from this Pacer team all season long. And again, it's been a roller coaster ride. You think about that game, you think about Boston, you think about another Milwaukee win. I mean, even going to that Houston win. Now, Philadelphia, the Pacers have had good wins this year, but they also, with the up-and-down fashion we're talking about, they have some tremendously awful losses. That's where you want to see this even more out a little bit more for the Pacers to be the type of team that I think that all of us are in belief now that they should be. Listen, I'm not suggesting that they're going to be an Eastern Conference finalist or anything like that. But I am suggesting that this team certainly is better and has the focus to be a team that should be better than most people thought at this moment in this whole rebuild scenario they were going to be. There's not a damn thing wrong with that. It's exactly what you want. It's exactly what you should want because you get sick and tired of sitting around and talking about losing. And the thing that you embrace the most is, well, here comes the offseason. What are they going to do? Here comes the offseason. What are the Colts going to do? Man, you just take advantage of it when the advantage is right there. And you get one of those with the Pacers at home against the Bucs coming up later on tonight. You get one of those with a big weekend of the Colts and a win in your in scenario with your division rival, the Houston Texans. And I think it's about time that we just – believe going in that these teams are ready for it you know even if the circumstances don't necessarily equate to that on paper and i know everybody's going to say you know houston and the colts are are even this is going to be the first time in a long time the colts have faced a quarterback that's even halfway decent honestly sustainably speaking even for a rookie he's been pretty damn good first time in a while But on the other hand, you know, Jonathan Taylor in games in which he's played, this Colts team has been good against Houston. And even going back in a game in which he didn't play in that first one, I don't know how much you can connect, relate to that first win on the road in Houston going back in week number three, but one, one would be certainly the running game that you were feeling good about with Zach Moss. Why can't you feel equally good about that with with Jonathan Taylor? You know, with backups, for example, I don't know what Moss's situation is, but Jonathan Taylor, we'll get to those that are practicing, those that didn't today, but Jonathan Taylor against this team. Being able to run the football, you know, whether you get the backup of Trey Sermon, but being able to run the football, getting an offensive line that helps determine that effect and playing more like they did last week. Playing more like they did against Pittsburgh. And not at all as they did on Christmas Eve in Atlanta. There are, for this Colts team, controllables. And even though they're not among the the really good teams in the NFL, I think we can all understand that. There's nothing wrong with it. But they, they have some controllables. Or they at least should have some controllables. In this game coming up on Saturday night. With... Those that that should be offensive line rise, being able to run it. And again, we've seen this. When the quarterback makes good, sound decisions, this team's been pretty good. And I know there are a lot of other things that affect this. You know, defensively, and everybody wants to talk about Gus Bradley, and certainly we have had our times of talking about Gus Bradley, and I'm sure it wouldn't be the last time defensively about the secondary, defensively about whether or not they're going to be able to put enough pressure on that quarterback. You know, All these are essential, but they do have some controllables out there. And those controllables start with that offensive line. And, you know, again, a running game and a running back that over his history in the NFL has been good against the Texans. A running game that helped get them that first win going all the way back to week three. And again, there are not a lot of relatables to that, to where we are now. I completely understand it, especially when you're looking at the Houston side of things. You know, in that particular game, it was like Nico Collins all the time. And right now you kind of got Nico Collins out there with with Tank Dell done for the season. It's like the Nico Collins show. You can't have that on Saturday night. So how are you going to take that away? I don't know if you trust the secondary to take that away, but certainly you can help control that up front with one of the certainly top three, if not the top, getting after the quarterback seasons that we have seen. And remember, over the course of the Poley Manning era, we had a number of incredible seasons of a couple of guys off the edge getting after the quarterback. But you're talking about, you know, putting up sack numbers in terms of you know going back to I think to '87 what Ezra Johnson, Dwayne Bickett, I'm going to forget somebody. I think Donnell Thompson was a part of that group as well. If we're talking about four guys that consistently got after the quarterback that year, I think I'm leaving somebody out. John Hand is who I may be leaving out right there. Four guys back in the late '80s, uh, and then obviously during that Mathis and Freeney era, uh, you had that as well. But this this is if not matching that, surpassing that, and that has to be something you're able to lean on, something that you can count on in a win and you're in and a lose and you stay at home type of scenario that's coming up on Saturday. But, man, these games, when you talk so much about them, and and, and we'll get to that later on this week, but you talk so much about them and you kind of wear yourself out about the things that you should do and wonder who's going to step up and do something that is unforeseen. Because you know this game, to me, is going to be an incredibly tight game. Like We don't see the Colts running away from anybody, right? So tight game is the expectation. And what's going to be the difference? What should be the difference pro-Colts here on Saturday? Matt Gay? That's certainly one of the big reasons, if not the largest reason, right at the top. You know, to make sure you get points out of situations, to make sure your in-game situations are better. That who you're going to lean on? The decision-making of the quarterback? You know, the play calling of the head coach, the rookie head coach, that for the most part has had a good season doing that? And we've also noticed this, right? When, When things are sound with the head coach and the play caller for the quarterback, the quarterback plays better. There have been some haywire times when you wonder, okay, what's going on? That Cleveland game comes to mind. Just don't put your quarterback in a bad situation. No, there are controllables, controllables for this team that they have against Houston coming up on Saturday, of which we'll talk about the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. They do have some injuries. We'll talk about those injuries. We'll talk about uh, the rookie quarterback and C.J. Stroud, the season he's had, and then reacclimating to that starting role, which did not seem to be an issue last week, and the type of rookie season he has had, which has been absolutely outstanding. No question about it. Mark Vandermeer, bottom of the hour. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana. See if he agrees with my thought on just how impressive that win in Milwaukee was the other night. Is that the best of the season so far for this Pacer team? A lot of other, upper, a lot of other opportunities to get some wins that are better than that. But so far, as far as you know, how it looked, what played into it, how their team was playing, and the help they got, especially off the bench, whether it's Matherin or McConnell or Isaiah Jackson. Most impressive it was the other night. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana Pacers TV, joins us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network. I will tell you this. With the Boilermakers last night, that was a professional Big 10 road win. That is a place in Maryland that really nobody likes to go and play. And most often, and certainly in recent history in Maryland, teams get out of that place and they get out of that place with a loss. So it has been tough on teams. Now, Maryland is not you know, of a Maryland-strong team. But certainly, as you, if you're Purdue, you're always going to be that team that everybody wants to knock off. I mean, you're not number one, and that thing is planted on your back. I just thought last night, maybe all the way around, it wasn't as as sound an offensive performance as Matt Painter and company would like, but it was a professional win where you, you got it and you left some distance between the Terps. And the Boilermakers on a Tuesday night in College Park, a place, again, that is difficult. And wherever you go, you're going to have that target on you. I just felt like, collegiately speaking, and I know we have NIL now, so maybe I could just go ahead and call it professionally speaking. But professionally speaking, that was a professional win by the Boilers last night. That's one of those head down, go in, nothing spectacular. But you go in, get a win, and you get the hell out of Dodge and get back to West Lafayette and prep for that next challenge. That's how I felt about it from start to finish. And, and Zach Eady was Zach Eady type of numbers. Both scoring and rebounding. But obviously other guys, there are enough to point to where we can go, man, they're gonna need help from you know Kaufman Wren, from from Gillis. Um, and certainly, lawyer didn't have the type of game if you want you would want. Yeah, they're going to have to have help in a more solidified performance. Those are the pitfalls you don't want to fall into. And I also realized this that it probably a little bit falls on deaf ears because we got so many Boilermaker fans just saying, "All right, yeah, all right, a win in Maryland, great. This team is number one, whatever." Talk to us again coming up in March, but we're in January right now, and we'll talk about that win last night. Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network, the play-by-play man, joins us coming up at 5.30 today. IU on the road at Nebraska later on this evening. That is a 9 o'clock start. That will not be easy against Fred Hoiberg's team. We'll discuss that a little bit as we move forward throughout the course of the afternoon. And uh, Thad got mad, and Butler got thrashed. Last night at St. John's in the Big East. Not a great start by the Butler Bulldogs in Big East play so far. That discussion also on the way. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the AAA Travel Lounge. Can find that right now with the conversation you're looking for and so much more. YouTube Live is where you can find it. Also participate in that bad boy. That's what I like. I like to get back with you guys. Have that opportunity. Jump in there right now. Check out what's going on. Hey, make some really good friends. Friendship. Pass it on. That's the Lounge YouTube Live. Tomorrow's show at Crafters in Carmel. That's a Larceny bourbon locks and Luna Azul tequila shots. Regular season finale. Crafters in Carmel. I shall look for all of you there with me. And by the way, on Friday, Friday's going to be a little bit out of the ordinary. Yeah, not so much for the show because it's a Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got Texans Colts tickets to give away. We're going to be at the Garage at Bottle Works, which is always a fantastic venue. But the JMV Takeover, since there is so much going on on Saturday around here, in particular with the Colts and me doing Colts stuff, JMV Takeover on B105.7 has been moved from Saturday night until Friday night. So I will hustle ass from Bottleworks after 6, whatever, and uh, roll up in here and hopefully start by 7 o'clock, the JMV Takeover on a Friday night This week, and what should be an incredible weekend around here, to say the least. I can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. This is uh, what, what sports fans live for right here, right? You know, a weekend, a Saturday like that, it's what you live for. Got some bullseye passes to give away. All you can eat, all you can drink with bullseyeventgroup.com and that Colts VIP tailgate coming up. I believe the doors open at 5.30, I'm going to guess. I start at 4.30, so I'm assuming the doors open at 5.30 with the Bullseye Event Center coming up on Saturday late afternoon. Hope to see you there. We'll give away some passes a little bit later on. Meantime, as you can tell, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I know. It is, I I consider you guys, if you want to talk about like Aaron Rodgers stuff, I consider you guys going someplace else. Because I I just, I don't think that this audience gives a crap. Like you care about what you care about, what is involved in your disposable income, you know, your favorite team here locally or teams here locally. So, yeah, leave that someplace else. I don't think so. I mean, maybe you want to have a massive debate out of it, but I can tell you this. I don't. We keep it local. That's so why we're here. Three until six. Actually, three until six fifteen. Got a little anything goes. All right. Good lord. When's the last time we did anything goes on here, James? You know? It's Any been recollection? a recollection. It's been a while for us. Like how long? It's been weird too. This pacer season has had a lot of games. You know, normally, we do anything goes when there's a Pacer game and there's not enough time to drop in an instant replay. But it doesn't seem like we've had many of those nights. We haven't, no. We've had a lot of, I think, 7.30 and 8 p.m. starts for the Pacers this year. Yeah, Tonight, it's at 7. It's Milwaukee at Cambridge Fieldhouse, Indiana State at the Holman Center versus Evansville in the Missouri Valley. Hey, by the way, um, I didn't mention this to Jake. I did send this out via X or Twitter, if you will. Uh, But uh, Jake and his friend Byron are going to the Holman Center tonight to check out the Fighting Trees, and he had asked where they should go before the game to eat and have some beverages. And I mentioned this. There are are go-tos. I think Saka, Moggers, the Terminal, the Copper Bar, those are all Terre Haute go-tos. But I think the absolute, right? The Ballyhoo Pizza King is the absolute. That's your absolute go-to. If you're going to Terre Haute for that game and your Jake Quarry coming up later on tonight, fighting trees. That is one thing. And I know Drake is really good in the Mo Valley. You saw what Drake did to Illinois State last night. Drake is still really good in the Mo Valley. We'll see if the trees can be a dominant player in the regular season in the Valley. And if at all, that changes that dynamic toward the end of the regular season. I'm not suggesting that it will whatsoever, but that's how you end up trying to work the system. But for the most part, you know what you know, and you got to go to St. Louis and win coming up in March. But to be dominant, to be that dominant player... We'll see if this Indiana State team is capable of doing that. That starts tonight at the Holman Center against Evansville. 239-1070 is the number inside the lounge, as I mentioned, via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD radio, if you have that capability in your car, truck, or van, utilize it. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you after this.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: Crafters tomorrow in Carmel. It's a Larceny Bourbon Locks Luna's Oil, Tequila Shots, regular season weekend finale. And I'll see you there. Jeremiah Johnson going to join us. Pacers TV, of course, Bucks and Pacers tonight at the Fieldhouse at 7. By the way, too, Barstool Indiana State, Jake, if you're listening right now, Jake Query of Query and Company, uh, suggests 6th Avenue (laughs) – Because the wings and entertainment would be outstanding in Terre Haute. I hope the wings are a hell of a lot better than the entertainment. The a thought if you're going over to watch Evansville and Indiana State, if you're driving over to Vigo County, Jake another thought for you meantime of the Andy Moore Automotive group hotline uh, the longtime voice of the Houston Texans I did not realize this until I logged on to the official Texans website but Mark Vandermeer is also vice president of broadcasting Mark joins us now that's awesome I need a I need a title like that <laughs>
4: What's up John? yeah uh, that that means a lot of different things. Does that mean of a
5: Texans
2: lot more work does that far... mean a lot more work you have to do? Is that what that means? It kind of
4: does, but the voice of the Texans thing is far more interesting at cocktail parties to people. you know it's it's always a great job to have for those reasons, if nothing else, but it really is a joy and a pleasure to do it.
2: See, if we had—our website would say, like, the vice president of dumbassery is what I would have before me, and then afternoon host. So I don't know if I'd bring that one out at cocktail parties anyway, so— yeah, yours, yours well, is you be much a better. you can
4: senior vice president
2: someday, maybe. So, <laughs> maybe you so. Know, room to grow. Maybe so. Hey, Mark, I want to start right here. We were trying to come up with yesterday and then for the first segment here, some relatables, connectables between that, that first meeting of the season way back in, in September and the win by the Colts to where we are in this kind of winner-take-all scenario on Saturday night. Anything for you come to mind?
4: Well, look, that was a weird game. You know, Anthony Richardson erupted early at two touchdown runs. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into here? And the Texans really hadn't figured themselves out yet. You know, who are they? How good is C.J. Stroud? We don't really know. And then Minshew comes into the game, and I thought, all right, this is good. It's Gardner Minshew. We've had some success against him with the Houston Texans. But no, sir, he looks really sharp. And the Colts just took it to the Texans that day. But we saw some seedlings in the second half of what CJ Stroud could be in the very next week. They blew out Jacksonville on the road and he was off and running. So I think that Stroud being able to really establish himself, at least the rookie context of him throughout the course of the season, is a huge development for the Texans. They know better who they are on defense. They've gotten good against the run. They still somewhat vulnerable to explosive pass plays, but they're working on it. Uh, They've got injuries. Everybody's got injuries, but I think the Texans have changed a lot, but I think the Colts have really established something
2: good for themselves too, obviously. It's uh, Mark Vandermeer, the longtime voice of the Texans. He joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Saturday night is going to be electric here at Lucas Oil Stadium with these two teams, and a winner goes to the postseason, and the loser stays home. Uh, The return event for C.J. Stroud this past weekend, how was he compared to how he was prior to missing those couple of weeks in protocol?
4: Oh, he was great because the Titans were taking away everything deep. He worked the check down. He just kept it fairly simple relative to what he's done earlier. Uh, he didn't throw for over three hundred, but he was solid, didn't turn the ball over, took one sack, and the Texans ran the ball well enough and they played outstanding defense on Derrick Henry. I mean, two games against Derrick Henry, he doesn't hit fifty yards total between them, and that's that's a real headline for this organization because the previous five matchups prior to this season, he had gone for over a thousand yards total in five games against the texans so that was big to be able to keep him in check and it all started with that and i think they fed off of that defensive effort to get two wins over the titans and put them in the position they're in today
2: yeah overall this season though compared to what you expected when he was drafted to what you have seen during his rookie season how have your thoughts been related compared to what you thought you were going to see to what you have seen what he what he has represented at that position this year in houston
4: Oh, he's far surpassed it. I mean, I thought he could be pretty good, but I thought I thought success for him as a rookie would be predicated on them running the ball really well and having him not have to do so much, right? They had Damian Pierce last year run very successfully, but then he got hurt toward the end of the year. Uh, this year, Pierce has had a, a bit of a struggle matching that. A lot of a struggle. A, a, a he's been really not what he was in 2022. So, Devin Singletary's performed well on the ground, but again, the ground game is not where they want it to be for this 49er type offense. Stroud's been incredible. I mean, he's been throwing routinely for 300 plus touchdowns here, there, everywhere. Explosive plays. Uh, Being able to maneuver outside the pocket and find open people downfield, it has been wonderful to see. I did not expect it to be this good this early. I don't know if I expected this at all. I just expected him to be pretty solid. Who knows with rookie quarterback Right, John? Yeah. You draft them, and you just hope they get better from where they were in college. I don't care who they are. Look at Caleb Williams right now, Michael Penix. These guys are all going to have to improve. You can't stay the same way, and Stroud has certainly gotten better. You
2: know what's funny about that is I made my evaluation off of one game, and that was his performance against Georgia. And I said, if anybody does not believe that this guy doing that offensively, even in a loss, but that offensively to that team and that defense at the time, You're kidding yourself. So really, to me, he's been better than what I thought, but I thought he was going to be really good anyway going in. Well, I saw him
4: early on in OTAs, and look, we had Deshaun Watson here too, and it was a similar kind of thing where early on it was, is it there? But then he improves quickly within a matter of weeks. And then early in training camp, all right, what are we seeing now, now that they're really out there in pads and so forth? And then in a few weeks, both guys got better. Uh, They're different players. You know, it was a thrill to watch Watson his rookie year, but he's a very different kind of player. CJ can manage things in the pocket and just outside of it. Doesn't have to run. Uh, He'd prefer not to. He just wants to sling it. He can throw it at the tight windows. The anticipation is amazing. I mean, the ball is gone before a guy makes his break. He'll go up to receivers and say, hey, run it three yards shorter, okay, because I think they're onto this one. He'll say stuff like that. Who sees that? This guy's amazing. He's only 22 years old, and the sky's the limit moving forward.
2: He had me at ball placement specialist here in Indy during the Combine, too, by the way, too. So we combine yeah, that, that talent. That's a big deal. That, so, yeah.
4: and, and, and release, too. We right. had uh, Dan Pastorini on the air last week, and you know, he doesn't pass out the praise that easily. And he said, CJ has the best release he's ever seen. I mean, that was incredible <laughs> to hear him say that. Yeah. Even if that's not true, just to put him and that conversation is amazing. And it's not like Warren Moon, Dan Marino type velocity here. It's it's coming out smooth, catchable, accurate, again, tight windows, anticipation, it's all there right now. And look, it's not perfect perfect, but it looks pretty good to me. And again, as a rookie, you hope he gets better from here, and if he does, watch out.
2: Mark Vandermeer, me- er, he's the uh, longtime voice, I should say, of the Texans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So the first time out, there was an incredible amount of injuries going on, especially to that offensive line. How is it how has it looked to this point and especially going into Saturday and some of your injury concerns you have about this matchup Saturday night?
4: I mean there it feels like 50 offensive linemen have played for this team this year. It's just one after another and a lot of switching and back and forth. You had George Fant who they acquired just as Camp began playing a lot of right tackle. Uh, and then they moved him over to left this past game, and Laramie had to leave. I don't know Laramie's status for Saturday. I think they're just going to keep that under wraps. We'll see how it goes. Look, they were all out there today dressed, and I hope they could all play. I think this time of year, you know this, they're out there. It's not going to be a lot of hard hitting in practice necessarily. That's just my thought anyway. They just want to make sure they're as mentally sharp and as physically ready as possible for the game. But, yeah, they've got injuries up and down. I mean, losing Jimmy Ward at safety I think was a huge thing for this team, but then the last game they got Blake Cashman back as their leading tackler, really good linebacker play this year. Uh, Jonathan Renard did not play. Will Anderson comes in for limited snaps and has two sacks. It's just been that kind of season. Everybody's got to suck it up, and I think all teams kind of feel that way. Yeah,
2: it's weird around here. This has just been an up-and-down Colts team, but you combine that with the way things have gone for everybody else, for example, within the division, and then the fact the schedule. And I've always said this, Mark, and I'm sure you would agree. You just take advantage of those games that are on your schedule. And for the most part, going into this win and year end situation, that's what the Colts have done this year.
4: Yeah, and I look at the Colts and say, look, it wasn't that long ago that this team was projected to do some very big things. And I know some of the names have changed. I'm looking at the, at the O-line, and I feel like, it's the Eagles reunion tour. You know, you don't have Glenn Fry anymore, but Vince Gill's filling in nicely. And you still have Don Henley and Timothy B. Schmidt and that kind of thing. (laughs) Did I take the analogy?
2: No, that's okay. People get it. We're big. We are musically informed on this show, Mark. No problem. Okay. Well, I
4: I liken it to that. Yeah. But enough of those guys to play the music and make things happen with the O-line. And then you look at some of the defensive players And I know Shaq Leonard is not a part of it, but he hasn't been himself for a long time anyway. uh, So you guys are here, Franklin and, EJ Speed and all these fire-breathing dragons like the Forrest Buckner, Grover Stewart. This is a dangerous defense. They can make a lot of things happen. The Texans have to be careful. Cannot get Stroud hit too often because he was just out two games with a concussion.
2: Yeah, I saw D'Amico Ryans, the head coach, first-year head coach down there, has had a fantastic year as well, Mark. And he had mentioned that there's nothing that he sees that is relatable, nothing he sees to that, that first victory by the Colts of the season. In relation to this matchup coming up on Saturday evening, is that just gamesmanship from the coach here, or is that there's some truth behind that?
6: I
4: think there is some truth because who were the Colts then, right? You knew Minshew could do some things or you felt like he could. Did you expect this out of Minshew from top to bottom this entire campaign? Look, it's not like he's lit it up like Joe Montana, but he's carried the team to a winning season, if nothing else. And I think that says a lot about him and the coaching staff of the Colts. And I think with D'Amico, you know, he had the Jags kind of far apart on the schedule, the Titans two weeks apart on the schedule. Uh, So this feels like a long time ago i mean there's a lot of water under the bridge this season for both teams and i know they have both gone through a lot of players but especially the texans
2: mark vandermeer the voice of the texans on the andy moore automotive group hotline i, I know everybody down there was excited uh, about ryan's getting the job has it been everything that you thought it was going to be and certainly a great deal that you feel that they can build off of for the long-term future there
4: well, this thing, with everything the organization has been through since 2020 and 0-4 and, and Bill O'Brien gets fired and they end up going 4-12 and, and all the rest of it, this organization's kind of been in the abyss football-wise, right? And maybe not kind of. They were. For D'Amico Ryans to get the job, for them to go out, seek him, they come to an agreement. The day he was hired, it was like... All the wrongs had been righted. Everything felt better instantly. All the former players came back. It was a huge homecoming. It felt great. And then you have draft night, which was amazing because a lot of people thought, wait, are they not going to take a quarterback? And they took Stroud. Then they trade up to take Will Anderson, who's been great as well. And it just felt so right. And then to have a winning campaign on top of that, yeah, things feel phenomenal here. The fan base is loving it. Things are headed their in a great direction, and I don't know what happened Saturday night. I think even with a loss, you feel very good about where the season ended up, based on where you where the expectations were for most people. But it'll be better because it's the Colts, and you know the history between these two teams. It's uh, it's really rough for the Texans. Hey,
2: Mark, from the outside looking in on that, to me, it just seems like that the stability is there. And with a lot of things you just described in recent history in Houston, that is maybe at the forefront of what the fan base finally gets to have. It is stability in the now and for the longer term future.
1: Yeah,
4: they had a lot of draft capital in the Watson deal, and that Watson situation was a really rough one to live through. I mean, I don't want to rehash everything, but you know he's on the roster for an entire season and not playing, and you knew you were going to trade him. And when, you had all those, uh, not charges, but allegations to deal with and everything like that. But they got a lot of draft capital. They made some pretty good moves here. Nick Casera has done a dynamite job. And it's not just the high draft choices. It's the subtleties. It's acquiring Devin. And Singletary and Dalton Schultz yeah. and players like that Sheldon Rankins who's been good and Jimmy Ward and the rest of them so uh, it just feels stable it feels like there's a good base here even though you have some free agents to re-sign or make decisions on but you know, when you have Stroud, when you have the quarterback, you guys know this when you have the quarterback it feels a whole lot better moving forward You
2: know, you, you made a great point in closing here is quietly what about signing some name recognizable guys at positions that really do matter and I think like a lot of the NFL didn't notice it, but it, it certainly in in, week, in that week number three matchup was noticed here in, in something, I guess by design that was done in Houston that certainly has worked out. Name recognizable guys didn't break the bank, but set themselves up for a season like this and, and certainly for the longer term future.
4: Yeah, and when you do that, John, when you draft guys at position groups and sprinkle in established veterans who, yeah, they're not going to yeah. bust the marquee and lead Sports Center or anything like that, but they're going to contribute. Shaq Mason on the offensive line, Sheldon Rankins on the D line, players like that, along with the draft picks and young players, then you have something, and it's all working out very well so far. Now, they'll, again, have some decisions to make in the offseason, but we'll see where it goes from there.
2: So, Mark Vandermeer, Vice President, Broadcasting and Voice of the houston texans that's what it says on his card right there the andy moore automotive group hotline well versed in music by the way too are you big eagles guy is that why you brought that up i'm more of a
4: zeppelin guy Not and
2: you? steely dan but i love you know i love it all i'm, I'm a classic rock guy and 70 soul have you seen um steely dan without walter becker
4: yeah, I have. I saw, yeah. Well, I saw Fagan. I think he was touring as himself, but they yeah. played a ton of Steely Dan. I believe that's what I saw yeah. like a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I felt fortunate. I, I caught them right before Walter Becker passed away. So it was mm-hmm. a good show here. Like, we're a smaller venue, very nice environment and fun. And, you know, it's one of those things where you're glad that you, you got to see it before. It just wasn't the same again. You know what I mean?
4: To use the sports analogy, those guys are like, when they play a game, they just sign free agents. It's all session musicians, and they just run through them. They just use them for whatever they need. The solo and Peg, I don't know if you saw that documentary. Yeah. They used seven different guys before they settled on the iconic guitar solo. I love this kind of stuff. Well,
2: listen, Steve Lukather can't be in everybody's band, all right? So yeah. you're, you're Richard Page can't be in everybody's band. These guys have made – these guys are like uh, rock – star Hall of Fame-level session musicians, those two guys right mm-hmm. there. It's kind of amazing how that's going. Hey, Mark, safe travels up here to Indy, and have a great call on Saturday night. Thanks very much for having me on. Anytime. Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Interesting you see two teams. Now, they know more about their future long-term quarterback than certainly the Colts folks do. But two teams going down a similar path collide for a chance to go to the postseason with a win on Saturday. What more could you ask for? Quick break. We'll come back. Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers TV, top of the hour. And a lot more for you, too, including bullseye passes for Saturday late afternoon and early evening downtown as well. 93.5, 107. Find the fan.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: The Ride with JMV. You're going to eat your fat. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: Mark Vandermeer, thank you for joining us. Podcast at 107.5TheFan.com. Inside the AAA Travel Lounge, we go in just a bit to see what people are talking about. That's YouTube Live. Thank you for joining us there. Jeremiah Johnson, top of the hour. We got Rob Blackman still to come as well again. Crafters tomorrow in Carmel. And then on Friday, the Garage will be a Bottle Works for a Bud Light Blue Friday with Colts and Texans tickets we shall give away. Meantime, 239-1070. Let me get Matthew and Maine on the line here. Matthew, how are you doing this afternoon?
6: hey jmv i'm doing okay did i read this
2: correctly are you moving from the great state of maine to the state of indiana is that accurate that is awesome we cannot wait to have you here full
6: time i know i cannot wait to be there
2: so what's the timetable of that
6: well i i wish i knew i did a I did some things today to help with the, the insurance claim by my home loss. So I'm, I'm hoping to be sometime this month because, you know, when you think cross-country move, you definitely think January.
2: Yes, exactly. It's a perfect time to do it, especially January in Maine or the Northeast. Yes. <laughs> But, no, how's everything going, too? Now, in case you, you have not uh, heard or you know Matthew here, uh, Matthew in the state of Maine struggled with a flood uh, about two weeks ago and struggle uh, big time. That's probably not even going to the degree in which the struggle with that flood he had to put up with right there. But hopefully things are back on on the right track for you.
6: Yep, they're – they're getting there. We're we're trying. That that storm came out of nowhere. We yeah. were, I don't care what anybody says, we were not warned. No one said anything about hurricane-level winds that day. <laughs>
2: yeah. Now, anything else you got, to? We can't wait to have you here. Anything else you got today?
6: All right. Well, I'm struggling with with days and your jmv takeover came back on a sunday
2: it did. Now it's going to be on
6: a friday it is. this isn't helping
2: i know i'm whacking everybody out on that i apologize so but you, you, you can kind of blame a little bit just the the day where new year's eve fell and also the colts and the nfl getting flexed so there's some blame to go around there
6: no i don't blame you i, I missed the last colts game because i forgot it was a sunday but I know. if you ever move back if you ever move back to saturday I'm going to need so many reminders.
2: You got it. Hey, cannot wait to see you move here. And uh, Friday night for the JMV Takeover on B105.7. I will await your phone call.
6: All right. I'll try to remember.
2: You got it. Matthew in Maine, our friend of the show, is moving from Maine to Indy, which is absolutely fantastic. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you in a second. Quick break, and we shall return. Jeremiah Johnson, a big one at the Fieldhouse. A home-at-home And that second half is at Gambridge Fieldhouse for the Pacers against the Bucks tonight. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana with us. Other side, next.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: The Ride with JMV.
6: Now you listen here. He's not the massage. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away.
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, quick shout-out to our friend
2: Tucker Barnhart. It was announced last night, reported last night, that he signed a minor league deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Good for T. Barnhart for that. we got to get him back on the show at some point, too. Hey, Tucker, if you're listening, you can call a little bit later on if you want. I would imagine he's probably going to the game on Saturday. Hey, speaking of which, too, before I get to Jeremiah Johnson, do you want to do a pair right here? Why don't we do that? I'm going to try to give away some of these on Friday night, too, on the JMV Takeover. About 239-1070, Eventgroup.com called VIP Tailgate, presented by Hayes & Sons Restoration. All you can eat, all you can drink. Oh, that is a big deal inside the Bullseye Event Center. And I've got a couple of passes for you right here. I believe 5.30 is when it will officially open up. I start at 4.30 there. So Bullseye Event Center number nine at two three nine ten seventy, you can go and I promise you an outstanding time. When jump on board and get those passes right now. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. There's going to be so much going on. I know an old schooler from the state of Indiana, like our next guest, thoroughly enjoys the buzz, the electricity that will be going through downtown India coming up on Saturday evening. From Pacers TV, it is Jeremiah Johnson with us. Man, that's going to be one hellaciously awesome Saturday, is it not?
7: John, there's nothing better than a downtown – buzz, vibrant atmosphere. I can remember back in the day when I was in high school, we wouldn't always get tickets to the Pacers playoff games or some of the events, but we would just come down and and go uh, have a bite to eat and watch the game and just be around other fans. So I I invite anyone that can get tickets to either of the Pacers game or the Colts game to go, but if not, uh, just soak up the atmosphere, because I think it is one of those nights you'll remember for a while, and here's hoping it goes well for both teams, and I know they're both pulling for each other.
2: You know, unfortunately for me, I grew up during an era in which uh, nobody was good downtown, and there wasn't a football team (laughs) yet. And the only place to eat was that McDonald's inside the Hyatt Regency. So yes, it was a different time altogether.
7: (laughs) Yeah, just luckily I'm just a little bit younger than you, so. Or those early playoff runs for the Pacers. There were some Saturdays I remember we had doubleheader baseball games and. Uh, the second game would go extra innings. And we wanted that game to get over because we wanted to head down to Indianapolis. And I'm surprised at the time our parents would let us do that, but I'm glad they did, and we created some good memories in the process.
2: He is Jeremiah Johnson Pacers TV tonight with a big one. And see if you follow me on this. I thought that that win on Monday night, New Year's Day in Milwaukee, was the best performance of the season, even if it did not encompass – The best performances out of many of the starters. I just thought as a team and what you recognize and what you want to see, that was the most impressive slash best performance of the season for the Pacers. Would you agree?
7: Uh, It definitely is up there. I was having this conversation with Pat Boylan on our podcast yesterday, and it's going to be tough for me to put anything above that Boston Celtics game just because of the stakes, the – the intensity of the building and really what it meant to both teams. Um, so that's probably number one. But I'll put and I'll agree with you for a number of reasons. I'll put that one number two because it's one in different ways.
2: Are you still there? Did you cut out.
7: Cut the lights out from outside the arc, or oh, there you you go. Know, Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner had amazing scoring nights. It was it was despite poor three point shooting and in the plus minus category, which some people. Um, you know, make a big deal of. Others say it's not that big a deal. I know Rick Carlisle brings it up on his post-game press conferences almost every game, so it means a lot to him. All the starters were minuses, and all of the bench players were pluses, and that's not how you think you would have to play to beat a team like Milwaukee who had won 12 straight games in their building, and they had the opposite bounce from the in-season tournament. The Pacers had a little bit of a regression. The Bucks came out determined and on fire in the game since the in-season tournament. And the Pacers still beat them. And so that bodes well, not just for tonight, but if these two teams should meet again in the playoffs. uh, Going into this season, I never wanted to see a Pacers-Bucks game. They've been some of the most painful ones to watch. And now this season, through four games, they've been among the most entertaining
2: ones. And all of a sudden now, is the product of what we have seen numbers-wise with the upping on the defensive end, is that – What the Pacers are doing, or is that a combination of the teams that they are playing? How have you equated that? Because certainly the defense over the past handful of games has been much better, and really to a level in which you would want it to be, considering what you expect to get out of their offense on a night in night out basis.
7: Yeah, I think we're going to continue to reference a practice on December 20th after they were run out of the gym, their own gym, by the Clippers on that Monday before Christmas as being a turning point. And I wasn't there for that entire practice, so I can't tell you everything that was said. But I think the coaches got the players' attention finally about, hey, you cannot just outscore teams. And when you have a lot of success, even though you're playing poor defense, it's tough for the message to to sink in but then when you have the struggles that they had after the in-season tournament and you're starting to look at a record that's about 500 and instead of being fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference you're dipping down to eighth or ninth it gets everyone's attention and it wasn't immediately they made the lineup change but then a week later to make significant changes to the starting lineup i think everyone understood this wasn't about anything other than being a better defensive team and after you know 25 games Rick Carlisle made the decision that You cannot just rely on outscoring teams. You can't just think you're going to go into a game and beat a good defensive team, you know, 150 to 140. You have to be able to get some stops and crunch time in crucial situations. And while it's not going to be – it wasn't like they just flipped the switch. We saw some schematic changes. We've seen some individual game plans change a little bit. Just look at what they did against Giannis and the approach they took to guarding him – compared to the night he had 64 points. I mean, uh, Caitlin Cooper on on Twitter or on X, she had a nice graphic where it was the Pacers guarding Giannis in 2023 and then guarding him in 2024. And you saw this wall of players just outside the free-throw line daring him to try to break through that wall. And he let the ball go. He found his teammates. And you'd rather have Malik Beasley or even Brooke Lopez shoot than you would Giannis driving to the basket. So – It's been a combination of factors, but I definitely think everyone just understood. First in offense, 30th in defense, it can be fun to watch, but it's not going to lead to any success in April or May, and they ultimately want to do that.
2: Do you think the success we have seen recently has anything to do with the change in the starting lineup of Rick Carlisle?
7: I think it wasn't just the personnel change, but just back to what I said about getting some guys' attention. You can say, hey, you've got to get better or your playing time is going to get taken away. But once you make that change to the starting lineup, it does some things to just remind guys to pound home. If I don't play defense, I'm going to be down to 15 minutes a game. And if I only play 15 minutes a game, uh, my scoring average is down. It affects a lot of different things. But the one thing that Rick Carlisle has mentioned, and we talked for how many years about a big lineup and whether that could work, and then you thought, okay, when the trade happens and the Sabonis moves on, you're not going to see that as much it is important when you're struggling rebounding and you're struggling in the paint to maybe go to the big lineup and so while every game is not going to work out for Jalen Smith to be uh, a really good four or maybe to play two bigs over a large portion of the game to have that as an option that you go to which we didn't see a lot of the first 25 games I think it can really help your defense inside and and your rebounding the Pacers have made major strides over the last couple of weeks in rebounding where they were really giving up just too many second-chance points before they went big.
2: It's, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers TV, Bucks Pacers, round two, coming up later on tonight, round two of the week, I should say. He's on the That's Andy Moore Auto Group hotline. Yeah, round five, round two of the week. Benedict Matherin, interesting to me. And this is how it goes, right? This is basketball 101 for everybody out there, and you and I certainly know this. When you play better and you're successful on the offensive end, normally that leads to you being more engaged and better on the defensive end. I thought we saw that to a degree the other night in Milwaukee.
7: We did, and Rick Carlisle brought this up too, that young players are so trained to look at a box score or to just think if I have a certain amount of points, it means – I played a good game, and we think when the first shot goes in, it's going to lead to a good offensive game, but I think you're right. It it also leads to an all-around game, and I was looking up some information and some stats this afternoon. I didn't remember Benedict Matherin subbing out. He checked in the game with, I think, 941 on the clock in the third quarter, and he's a guy that doesn't like coming out of the game. It doesn't matter when, but if he did come out at any point in the second half, I don't think he did, but if he did, it was maybe the last, like, 30 seconds of the third quarter, but I think he might've stayed in the entire third quarter and he definitely played all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. And that was another thing that made the, the win so beneficial because I saw a lot of communications in huddles, a lot of um, reacting to plays between Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Mather. And that was one of the things you wanted to see this season. You wanted to see those two guys play off each other. Could they be that backcourt that you build around? And, Year two has been a little tough for Benning Matherin, but the rebounding—he noticed he didn't have any rebounds the previous game. He brought that up with me, and he had a career high in rebounds. Now I'll look up, and I didn't bring this up to him, but I, I think some players maybe good-naturedly did. Uh, the assist number wasn't so good the other night, so we're we're looking for some Benning Matherin assists tonight because he's continuing to work on his all-around game. But I, I do think it's been a really good week for Matherin. He hasn't hung his head when coming off the bench, and he knows if he plays well, even if he comes off the bench, he I think he led the team in minutes played. Uh, you're going to get plenty of playing time.
2: Hey, J.J., it looks like they've moved well past that whole game ball situation uh, against Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago. I'm curious, at the end of the game on Monday night, it kind of looked <laughs> like that was it was it Miles and then somebody else uh, was coming over to Halliburton about the game ball and Halliburton kind of waved him off and it it almost felt like that they were just kind of dropping it all together with that did i did i see that accurately or was it something else entirely
7: i was a little curious as to what was happening sometimes players will not want the ball in their hands when a clock expires like a shot clock expires cuz it gives
2: you a turnover no
7: for the turnover, but I don't even think that's actually an individual turnover anymore. I think it's one of those team. myths that they just continue to play along with. But I do think there might have been something to what you're saying, and I can't say with 100% certainty that maybe one of the three players wanted to take the ball or do something with it. And I, I, just reading lifts, it looked like maybe Tyrese was like, no, let's just no, let's just put it into this. And then I think he went and handed that ball to the referee. So I'm not going to deny that there was maybe a thought to do something as if to say, "Here's your game ball." However, they also knew there's another game against the Bucks coming up yeah. on Wednesday, and just do your job, keep your head down, and if you've already clinched the season series now, so that should say enough. But if you could take four or five. I'm not sure what else would need to be said. You know,
2: the other thing about Halliburton that jumps out, and certainly his play has been incredible, but you can see his leadership qualities and value evolving as well with his play, and you can see that right before your eyes, can you not?
7: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I see it on the plane, I see it on the bus, in the hotels, shoot-arounds, the the personality that brings everyone up. But um, for a point guard... He also starts games, and he knows, like much like you said about if shots go in, it helps you defensively, he knows that guys need to get looks in that first quarter. So you rarely see a high-scoring first quarter for Tyrese Halliburton because as a leader, it seems like he's cognizantly thinking about, all right, let me get Jalen a shot. Let me get Miles Turner uh, an open look outside the arc. When Benedict Matherin comes in the game, let's find a way to get him some shots. To me, that's leadership as well. So. Uh, he's embraced every part of this role that he has, the the quote-unquote face of the franchise. It's, it's going to be with him, and he does not mind it. And I don't know if there's anyone you would rather have with that title or with that role. And, and moving forward, um, you're just going to have to think of different ways to describe and ask questions about what he has done because he continues to amaze, and he continues to make us have to look up, when was the last time this happened? You had the stretch of two straight games with – with the number of assists and no turnovers. Then you had the two 2020 games. I'm just waiting to see what will happen next. He almost had a triple-double that was almost uh, an afterthought against the Bucks. He was one rebound shy of a triple-double, so uh, he's continuing to
2: impress. You mentioned that at the beginning of games, and I've noticed this, and, and this may be a, a team theory or a team philosophy, but I, I give this also to Halliburton because it's either a highball screen and roll or a pick and slip. It looks like that they understand you get miles, a couple of easy ones earlier, the better type of offensive game throughout out he is going to have I think that that's a point either that's their offensive philosophy early or that's a Halliburton philosophy but you can see that I think night in and night out
7: yeah and what it does if Miles hits one or two of those shots and it causes whatever center or person is guarding him to then get out there and extend out and not to switch on to Tyrese Halliburton then it's going to um, it's going to affect the rest of the game positively you were uh, you were I think on the ground floor of this with Miles Turner, but th- you were saying this before he was paired up with Tyrese Halliburton. But does it not seem like Miles Turner is the is kind of the perfect offensive player to pair up with Halliburton? Now a lot of players can succeed with Tyrese Halliburton, but because he's been finishing some inside, but also has that shooting threat, and we didn't think of Miles Turner really as a pick and roll type of guy, but he's been able to do that. With Tyrese Halliburton, so it's been uh, it's been something that we do see early in games. I think you're you're onto something there with getting him those open looks. But Miles never hesitates. That's the best thing about his three point shooting right now. If if he has that space early in game, uh, high arcing three point shot. Sometimes I'm just marking down three is good. <laughs>
2: yeah, high arcing it is. I, I, here's what I have have seen, and maybe this is just a part of his maturation, uh, and it probably should be. But I just think with Halliburton out there with him, he just goes at it stronger and more physical than he ever has. And, and in particular on the offensive end. I just I do. He takes he goes to banging a lot more than he used to. There are a lot of things he does and he's never been and never gonna be a great post-up threat, but he is made better by the presence of Halliburton. And I just think he's a guy that plays off of extreme levels of confidence. And certainly, like anybody else, plays better when that confidence is there. And they try to establish that as early as possible with him. And I think that that's paid off for him and this team.
7: Well, remember for so many years, he was the four on offense and the five on defense. And the four on offense was – sometimes in the corner, sometimes staying outside the arc. And now he knows the the lane is open for him. So if he catches it and he wants to drive, he can do that. If he wants to roll, there's no one going to be in his way for him to attempt to finish. And he also knows that Tyrese Halliburton probably better. And this isn't to say anything about any of the other point guards that Miles Turner played with, but Tyrese Halliburton is elite at getting his teammates involved and getting them the basketball. So Sometimes if you work so hard, you keep running in through a wall, and you you get tired of getting knocked down, and then you have to get back up. Maybe poor analogy here. But if you work so hard and you never get a chance to score, sometimes you just lose some of that aggressiveness. So maybe it's been um, a reinvigorated Miles Turner because he knows when he works hard, when he's going to get that opportunity, Tyrese will find him. And, and I'll even go a step further in saying I love how these three point guards fit well together their games are all just a little bit different but they're all excellent passers and i'll say they're actually all pass first point guards now they they can all you know McConnell, we know he's not an outside shooter but he gets to the paint and shoots that nine footer or ten footer about as well as anyone and and andrew nemhart has the float game down but whoever's on the court that is the quote-unquote point guard they're going to find their teammates and they're going to get them involved and i think it really helps helps to have a a balanced team to have a point guard that has that
2: mentality. Yeah, the old Nate Bjorkgren offense of standing in the corner and stuff like that uh, was uh, not uh, not fantastic. You can certainly see his game and others evolving um, as we speak here. Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers TV. Later on tonight, the Bucks and the Pacers. I did want to bring up T.J. McConnell because I also talk about him and how important he is to this team personnel-wise, and once again, he showed everybody just exactly what we always talk about on New Year's Day in Milwaukee.
7: He did. So I don't know how teams take him for granted or maybe relax when he's on the court, but they do sometimes. And when they do, they pay for it. And uh, if teams really back off, maybe it's problematic because he's not been shooting the three-pointer as much as he did last season but if he can just find a little space I and mean, he's been going baseline a lot more but if he can just get in that you know 10 foot area it's a sweet spot because he he's so good at that shot and if he gets defended or help comes he's going to find his teammates as well but the the, the other thing he just brings is this energy that I I like to tell everybody, the, they're all playing hard. There's this misnomer about the, the fourth quarter, yeah. guys wait to the fourth quarter. I mean, they're playing hard the whole game. But it's, the difference is maybe if, if in the first quarter, the second quarter, you're seeing 98% entire and T.J. McConnell's, it's the 100% the entire time. And that 1% that or 2% is a big deal, and it's a difference. And it just kind of frustrates the other team. And there are games that may not be T.J. McConnell games, but Milwaukee games we're seeing all season long, and even going back to last season, remember his, what was it, 22-point quarter against the Bucks last season? He seems to fit well against this matchup, and when, without knowing Andrew Nemhard's status for tonight, it would seem to be a T.J. McConnell night tonight. Uh, he's never gotten down about nights that he did not play. When he's not been playing, I almost look at him on the bench like he's an extra assistant coach. He's that vocal, he's that active, he's that enthusiastic, and I agree with you. Uh, there's a lot of teams that would like T.J. McConnell maybe as their backup point guard, but I don't think anybody would would like him more than the Pacers. Yeah, that fourth that quarter did. play,
2: that fourth quarter play was just dynamic, and and you know something that may not show up in the box score that was dynamic and something where you can lead by example with a lot of those young guys on there that's exactly what you want and that's why another reason why he's so essential you mentioned nimhart tonight injury situations on both sides i I haven't seen here recently i saw yesterday where middleton was a question mark for tonight have you heard anything about those participating maybe those aren't this evening got at gambridge Fieldhouse.
7: I've not heard on Middleton, but one of the reasons he was listed as questionable was the uh, the injury rehab or the rest designation. And the Bucks play tomorrow night on TNT, and I think he fits in under the criteria where he's not allowed to rest on a TNT game, and he's not played in both halves of a back-to-back all season. So I'm just putting two and two together. Yeah. I would be surprised if Chris Middleton plays, which that's a big help to the Pacers. And this one I just saw pop up on the injury report this afternoon that I didn't see earlier was Pat Connaughton, which I think is real important because the way the Pacers want to play Giannis, there are going to be some open shots for some of his teammates. He was added to the injury report with non-COVID illness. And sometimes you don't get a name added if there's not something to it. So if Middleton and Connaughton are both out, you know Jay Crowder's been out for a while, but those two – uh, guys that played on, on Monday that could not play tonight, that could be a big benefit to the Pacers. And we don't know about Nemhard, but we do know that Bruce Brown was getting close. And if Nemhard doesn't play, there stands to be a chance that, that Bruce Brown could come back and alleviate uh, issues in the backcourt. Yeah,
2: that Bucks bench the other night was non existent, even with Connaughton. And him being out there, his availability, that's something that that, that they're going to have to, I'm assuming. I know that Jay Crowder's not playing, and that's a big deal, but that would be something I would I would think you'd have to address, although their starters did did get it done. Man, we've, we've seen a couple of different times, and I, I hesitate to say this, Jeremiah, because I'm sure he'll go off upon me saying this, but <laughs> have we not seen Lillard run out of gas a couple of different times in these games for the Pacers this season?
7: Yeah, I'm I'm like you. I hate to say. Me too. He, well, I'm
2: knocking on wood, so I'm going to try to take <laughs> exactly. take this away. Yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think he's had a couple of good games and a couple yeah. of really poor games, and maybe that happens at, at some point with the new system. And also, he's not getting any younger. But the scoring averages and the percentages, if you look at the season, they're very similar to what he's had over his career, maybe down just slightly. And some of that you'd attribute to a little bit of a pack seat at times to Giannis, but he, he was a big factor in helping the Pacers win because he had such an off night and you rarely see two such off nights so um, as much as you'll try to get the ball out of Giannis's hands the key is going to be the times when both of those guys are on the court together that you don't leave Damian Lillard too open you don't let him get in a groove and then uh, if you can continue to dominate second unit play uh, make Bobby Portis mad you'll have a recipe for a win <laughs>
2: It, it doesn't take to too much to make him mad, though. He gets pissed yeah. off at anything, I think, right?
7: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen him smile, but yeah.
2: He always looks like he <laughs> wants to rip somebody's head off. I mean, whenever He, he looks like that in the team picture. <laughs> no, he does. And I, I guess
7: he knows his role, and yeah. a good team often needs an enforcer-type player. That's definitely the role that he plays. And he's still I – mean, I think he's still affected. He's not just uh, – a mean guy that's just there to make hard fouls. He can knock down shots. He can score inside. But still, I'd rather have him shoot outside than Damian Lillard, and I'd rather have him shoot inside than Giannis.
2: Yeah, you mentioned in closing here Lillard. Um, and it was for not because Lillard missed it, but I think it was the basically the final out-of-bounds play uh, in regulation on New Year's Day and that Bucks lost to the Pacers. And, and Quinn mentioned this on the broadcast. I, I, I don't know if it was Griffin that drew up the play or whatever, but that was a hell of a play because he got Lillard. You know, there are like a couple of different layers to it, but it got Lillard an absolute wide-open look that most of the time you would think he would sink, but in that moment he didn't. Yeah, I think
7: – I don't remember him having a, a look or a shot prior to that point when the Pacers were making their run. So it was a little bit of a case of too little too late and then maybe he wasn't in a rhythm uh, because that's why you have him. That's why you yeah. make the move to acquire him is to help your fourth-quarter offense when teams decide they're not going to let Giannis beat them. And then you put him on the court. I was a little worried. They, they had them both check into the game a little earlier than I was hoping for. And, again, I, I was worried that that he would catch fire. He didn't, and he didn't get that good look that you're speaking of, but yeah. he was already out of rhythm.
2: Yeah, I, I thought the Pacers did a good job defensively of closing out, especially late in the game. And, man, Shaquille O'Neal brought this up when the Pacers were were talked about in that end-season tournament, is that you may not be a great defensive team, but if, if you can get better and then get – some fourth quarter stops that can be enough with the firepower that you could have offensively, and I think the times we've seen the Pacers beat the better teams, that philosophy has held for them defensively.
7: Yeah, you're accurate. You you can't give up the wide open threes. You're going to give up more when you're doubling and when you're doing a defensive strategy against Giannis like they did on Monday, and it stands to reason they may and you know put out a similar effort or tactic tonight so there may be some open shots that go up but you still can contest and they've done a really good job uh for a few years there I was seeing just way too many you know I should knock on wood again I was seeing way too many fouls on three point shooters but have you watched how they they sort of get the hand in the eyes but they run right by so there's no contact and I think they've really worked on how they defend and close out on three point shooters just to make sure you don't foul in the act of shooting. And they've done a lot better job with that. So it's got to be scrambling. you got to be running around. If you're going to provide help on Giannis, um, you've got to continue to move around and and hope nobody like Damian Lillard or someone else, even Brooke Lopez from outside the arc, he shoots that set shot, but he could actually knock him down too. So we'll see what happens. I expect both teams to make more threes tonight. Than they did on Monday, but we'll see. Well, and if the Pacers can shoot more free throws than the Bucks, I like I like the Pacers' chances as well. Those were there were a lot of numbers in the box score on Monday that you just almost didn't believe.
2: Yeah, they um are they still doing the half court shot or did that end when that dude knocked it down the other night?
7: I don't think they do that every night. I'm not sure if it's a once a month thing. I'll ah. have to I'll have, to, I'll have to ask Dean Hevelin, uh what's the what's the process on that, but. It definitely isn't something that they've done every night. Um, that but, dude,
2: that well, dude, you could tell that he plays because he shot that like a regular shot. There was no heave or heft or anything like that. He shot it like a regular shot.
7: Eddie Gill said that that guy's son went to his basketball camp, and Eddie's one of the best half-court shooters there is. So maybe, maybe there was a little <laughs> bit of training going on in the summer there.
2: <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll be watching later on tonight. Have a kick-ass broadcast. All right, thank you, John Jeremiah Johnson. Good weekend, all sports fans. Yeah, hey, we're going to have one hell of a time all together in downtown Indy. Thank you, JJ. Yep, Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers Television, Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Your chance to go to bullseye that's coming up too. And uh, I don't know what else. Rob Blackman, boy, the maker, play-by-play play voice coming up as well. Ninety-three five one zero seven five, the fan.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200mg at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! do oh! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5.
2: The Fan. My thanks to Jeremiah Johnson. Bally Sports, Indiana. Pacers TV tonight. Another large game. Atlanta at home and the Celtics on Saturday. Coming up in the not-so-distant future, six games on the road, most of which out west. We'll talk about that when it's time to talk about that, but man, big one tonight against the Bucks, gambridge Fieldhouse, and uh, we'll check and see who's going to be active and playing and who's on the injury report, but I thought what JJ had mentioned is accurate, too, considering Chris Middleton in a back-to-back. They got a TNT game coming up tomorrow night. He hasn't played in a back-to-back situation so far this season, so you may not see Middleton in uniform playing for the Bucks coming up later on tonight. Again, we shall see. IU on the road into Nebraska tonight at 9 o'clock, you reestablish now the bulk of the Big Ten conference season and a big one in Lincoln for the Hoosiers. Boilermakers, just a professional win last night. A professional win where you go to Maryland. Win streak snapped on the home hardwood in College Park. And getting past a team, yeah, not so good, but still very good at home. And always as the number one team, always as Purdue will be this season, having that target on your back. And, you know, some – Didn't really have the games that you would expect, but Zach Eadie did. Another double-double, and certainly the difference in that with the Boilermakers winning. Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers, joins us coming up at 5.30. We'll discuss that and a lot more forthcoming for Purdue and the rest of the Big Ten. Again, the Triple A membership lounge via YouTube Live. If you guys want to jump in there, I'm looking at you right now reading what you're having to say, a little conversation going. You can be a part of the show, or you can just watch and listen and read. A lot of things to do inside the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live right now. You can uh, check that out. Again, Rob Blackman still to come. Busy show tomorrow on the road. We are going to be at Crafters in Carmel for our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul tequila shots, which should be an absolute fantastic time can't wait for it jmv this from james this game on saturday night has all the makings of an epic colts collapse prime time with a massive audience (laughs) Uh, i'm trying not to take anybody down that path right now trying prime time massive audience That's why I've said this. I don't want to be a part of the group that says, ah, you know what, whatever happens is going to be fine. This is not a Damone situation. This is not a whatever happens, your toes are still tapping. This is if you lose, you're done. And because you had this situation right here at the end of the year, surprisingly or not, get it done. Expect them to get it done. Nothing wrong with expectations. I don't think there's anything that I'm considering unreasonable here. Not suggesting they're going to the Super Bowl, but beating Houston at home in the final regular season game with so much on the line, you went and you go to the postseason? Zero wrong with having expectations. In fact, start having expectations. Let's slowly but surely now walk out of the doldrums of losing seasons. Thinking about the cruddy future. It's from Robbie, JMV. Are we going to try and get after C.J. Stroud Saturday? I would not expect Gus Bradley to be much different than he has been this season. Or just let him pick them apart. There will probably be a little bit of picking apart. (laughs) I think you can expect a little bit of that. Do you think Gus's job is safe? I think there are two sides of this right now. And do I think it all comes down to one game? No. Do I think his job is absolutely safe? Absolutely not. I don't think it comes down to whether or not they win or lose. I think it all depends on the, the first-year head coach here that's had a, a certainly a considerable amount of success and what he wants to do in the future, now, the two sides that I mentioned, as far as the argument is concerned, and I have said this, and this is not full time, but in in situations in which I felt even with the secondary banged up or the secondary with a without much whatsoever experience out there, I thought there there have been times this season where you could go ahead and and try to blitz and be more than what you are defensively to help out the back end of the defense. But you can make an argument that, all right, so what's he dealing with right now? You can make that argument. Others don't want to hear it, but that doesn't mean it's inaccurate. It is a relatable argument argument to be made of okay you look what you're dealing with in the secondary and this is a guy that doesn't like to take those chances in the first place so you would ask the question why do you want to take those chances and and I think my point has been not in every game but in a couple of games where I felt that maybe you could and you haven't so sometimes with this team and I think that's just kind of what you get personnel wise. Let's just face it. If your guys don't get home, and we're talking about a season 2, and always remember this, you're talking about a season in which they are setting collective sack records. And what has been at the top of the list for Colts fans wanting to see defensively is getting back to putting consistent pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, if you have to go back to 87 to see these types of numbers or go back yeah, certainly most recently to that of the Freeney or the Mathis era, then I think that it is reasonable cons- to consider this being up front a success. Now, the problem that you have defensively is a similar issue that we've dealt with offensively. If you have a coach that puts Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, in bad situations like that Cleveland game a couple of times, then bad things are going to occur. You don't want to put him in a situation to where he's uncomfortable where he has happy feet to where it will lead to turnovers because we have seen most of the time this year when that has happened, the end result, the conclusion has been a loss. Now, on the other hand, defensively, if you're Gus Bradley, if you don't get the type of success up front getting after the quarterback and then what you do in your scheme in general, then I I just don't know how much more you're going to be able to do it. I I do understand when you sit back and you think this guy – This guy is not changing. He's just taking it. This team is getting beaten up, whatever. I I just look in that secondary, and I don't know what more you're going to be able to do. And that's why I say what it comes down to is this. It comes down to on Saturday, again, defensively, if you're able to pressure, if you're able to discombobulate C.J. Stroud even a little bit, if you're able to run the football, and again, Jonathan Taylor didn't play in that first meeting, but in the past has had a considerable amount of success. I know things are different, but I'm just looking at the matchup in the past. If you're able to run the football, thus choose some clock, because we know this game is going to be close anyway, but not be as susceptible to C.J. Stroud going off, because certainly he has that capability of going off. And remember this, too. They've got some things, and Mark Vandermeer was talking about this a little bit earlier. I mean, Laramie Tunsil went out of the game, their left tackle last week. If you look at their injury report, there is a lot on it, a lot of did-not-participate midweek that is not good for a Saturday evening game of this magnitude. Got some certainly on the offensive side, on that offensive line, This success of this Colts defense is always the way that it looks right now is going to be predicated on quarterback pressure, and it's just going to be running from your average scheme quarterback pressure. Meaning guys up front, guys up front that have done the job this year, in large part, have to do it again. I just don't know what other type of help you're going to get from the secondary. I don't know really what else you're going to be able to do. So you just what I'm thinking here is you've got to go with what you've been able to do. And that is put pressure on the quarterback just out of the gust scheme in general. And I would expect that's how they approach that coming up on Saturday night. And they're going to be in trouble if they're unsuccessful up front, just like usual. They're going to be in trouble if they turn the football over offensively, just like usual. You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier you know some of these um absolutes that you have with this team like one of the absolutes should be the offensive line like we gather that right that should be an absolute being able to provide running space for whomever we're talking about that should be an absolute uh the other other absolute should be these guys up front putting pressure on the quarterback it needs to be an absolute do i think they're going to do it all night long probably not Thus, this game is going to be close, and you got to hope that your offense is going to be a little bit better and you're just not providing C.J. Stroud the opportunity to beat you late in the game. But I do not think that his tenure in the future is going to come down to this one single game, if you're asking me that. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Again, your call's coming up on the other side. I'll get to you as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. If Brian worked with Mark Vandermeer up here. I didn't see that. All right. Do I have time right now? Or do I hit a break? What do you think? I probably shouldn't ask that on the air out loud. Hey, Brian, you worked with Mark Vandermeer? Sure, sure did. Where, where did uh, you work with him?
8: Well, this is going back. He was uh, our sports slash news slash play-by-play man for Central Michigan University football and
2: basketball. <laughs> was that his start in his career? I did not ask him that. I
1: believe so, yes.
8: Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, well done.
8: So. Yeah, I've, uh, fu- it was really funny. I was driving around and just happened uh, to hear a, a voice in the past. And <laughs> I thought I'd call in. But, yeah, Mark, uh, he uh, did the Central Michigan University uh, basketball, football, left there, went to UMass. Left UMass, went to University of Miami, went from there to uh, Westwood One. From there, he ended up in Houston.
2: Yeah, had a hell of a career, too. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, any, anybody that gets into this business knows um, if you're able to look back on it in reflection in the fashion in which he can with that resume, that's, that's well done right there. Tough business oh, it
8: yeah. is. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I, I kind of got into it kind of like you did right out of high school.
2: Yeah, well, you know, and I, I don't know. I just like when I did it. I just like music, and I just wanted to go someplace and and play music, and then that kind of evolved into doing this, and then it evolved back to doing music. So I, I just I, I want to have more fun than anything else, as far as what you do, and I think that that's probably anybody's reasonable stance of getting into this is uh, wanting to have a little bit of fun. So no doubt.
8: Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> hey, but yeah, I just wanted to uh, – Yeah, that's awesome,
2: out. man. Brian, I appreciate that very much. Going back to the days at Central Michigan with uh, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans who was on the show a little bit earlier today. Raymond brings up a point before we hit a break here. What happens when the Colts win 10 games this year and make the postseason, then next year with a full season of Richardson only win five or six? Then what? Well, I'm I'm assuming this is what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to have people, if it goes that way, and it all depends on how it looks. It all depends on how it looks, but you will have people saying, see, this is not the guy. If it turns out like that. Then you'll have others suggesting, well, it was more the schedule this year, and the schedule is going to be more difficult next year. But that is what all comes with the quarterback position, all those particular angles, all those particular arguments. And it also comes in the territory of having what everybody believes is the long-term quarterback. And you have hopes there, but you have seen very little of that. And again, those are thoughts when you go through it next year. And I mentioned this earlier, as far as next year, you're not going to know until November what you have, unless there is a lot of missed time due to injury again. But it is going to be a reboot. You have an outlier of a season, but as I've said, there is nothing wrong with taking advantage of this outlier of a season when you can and throwing some excitement in there where there has been very little in recent history around here. Nothing wrong with it at all. Quick break. We'll come back if you're on hold. I'll get to you. Rob Blackman coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Nate's going to join us too. Is that true? Nate Atkins of the Star regarding today's injury report and more in preparation for that game coming up on Saturday. Back after this, 93.5107.5 The fans.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: The ride with JMV. We have the holy hand grenade. Yes, of
9: course. The holy hand grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two,
0: five. Please, three. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: It's Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana earlier. Mark Vandermeer, former voice of Central Michigan Athletics. Now the voice of the Houston Texans also earlier. At Atkins Top of the Hour, Rob Blackman coming up at the bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. IU Nebraska tonight at 9, Pacers at Gambridge Fields House at 7 against the Milwaukee Bucks. 6.30, your coverage begins right here. We've got a little Anything Goes coming up at the 6 o'clock hour for you, too. My Sycamores in the Missouri Valley Conference against Evansville at the Holman Center coming up at 7.00. Later on tonight as well. You guys having a good time inside the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. Well done in there as usual. We're getting off on the right track in 2024. Thank you all so much. I do. I, I do like that. Listen, I like any way that you can get this show possible, but if you go inside the AAA membership lounge, Via YouTube Live, there are a lot of things you can do in there. It also seems like that, like the the level of jackassery has died down a little bit, has it not, James? In there, I think I'm like the only jackass in there now. I would say it seems a lot more yeah. uh, civil in there sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm the one that that dr- jumps in there with uh, stupidity <laughs> too often. <laughs> Bill on line three is at two three nine. 1070 hello bill welcome to the show hey jmb
10: happy new year to you buddy
2: good to hear from you tomorrow crafters and then at the garage bottle works on friday am i going to see you
10: yeah i'm going to be at uh, I'm going to be able to make one of them of course uh, uh my car starting off uh 2024 with the nickname of jonathan bender so <laughs> we'll just wait we'll wait and see what well, we got we got <laughs> which, issues which there what
2: issues do we have
10: um mostly electronic oh, okay <laughs> that that type of stuff you, you know, like leave it for twelve hour type stuff. oh you know, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that type of thing. But anyway, I'm not going to let on. that bring me down, especially Don't. with the yes. uh, like all the good things are going on with the Pacers and the Colts. I wanted to talk about that, but uh, I wanted to make one prediction for the National Football or, or for the National Championship uh, in men's football in the NCAA. I think it's going to be Washington. Yeah, yeah, and I'm rooting and I'm rooting for Washington because I'm rooting for Michael Penix Jr. because I think he got punked in uh, uh he definitely got pumped when he was at iu i mean i should i should reiterate and, and reannounce him as former second string quarterback at iu michael panics because he was he, he did not start now he was hurt he was hurt some but uh but he was uh he was a backup there for uh no, a he lot was of yeah he
2: time. was hurt he was hurt a lot I, I look at it this way this has been so beneficial for him so you know that's that's just the way i look at it i will disagree with you i hate michigan but I I think Michigan's gonna win. I think Michigan's defense is gonna be a defense in which Washington has yet to see at that level. So
10: it could be oh, the, yeah. what they did to Alabama. That didn't look like that that wasn't your father's Michigan, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I never saw I, I never saw yeah. Michigan play like that.
2: But Billy, uh, uh, I, I, I Thursday am, or Friday I, I, with me, right? Thursday or Friday? Thursday or Friday, buddy. Go Pacers. Can't wait to see you, Billy. Thank you. Crafters Carmel tomorrow, The Garage, Bottle Works, Bud Light Blue Friday, Friday. Don't miss a minute of it. 93.5107 by the fan.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you
0: the ride with jmv he's my best friend he's my pal he's my homeboy my rotten soldier he's my sweet cheese my good time boy 93.5 and 107.5 the
2: fan incredibly underrated song from the album no jacket required right here yeah it's funny as a lover of music i think that i have grown to more appreciate phil collins now than ever in my life for a good reason And you know what? I'm going to be bummed because I never saw Phil Collins with Genesis, and I never saw Phil Collins do anything solo. And I think we're past the point in time when we're going to see Phil Collins any longer. Now, James, you know who Phil Collins is?
10: Of course, I know who. All right,
2: baby, there we go. Oh yeah. I did not appreciate Phil Collins then. It's 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 to me. It's almost like Larry Bird. I didn't I've, I've told the story before. I didn't appreciate Larry Bird as much when I was growing up. For example, you know, in the 80s when I was a teenager. I didn't appreciate him as much as I should have because there was so much about him where I was. Whereas, you know, I was more to, oh man, there's Dr. J. Or, you know, things that were were out of market that you rarely, if ever, saw. Man, that Walter Davis was really good with the Phoenix Suns. People are going to go, what? That lever, fantastic with the Denver Nuggets, huh? It was that out-of-market stuff. And Phil Collins was just all over everything. Seriously, he was like Barry Gibb at the end of the 70s, where people just kind of got a little bit worn. Man, I've got such a deeply rooted appreciation for him, whether it's solo, a drummer, member of Genesis. Shout out to Phil Collins. Rob Blackman, bottom of the hour. JMV, I'm with you regarding the Colts. Accepting less than a win is like going to the bar, getting a supermodel's phone number. By the way, I don't know where bar you're going with to get that supermodel's number, but more power to you. And losing it, but happy because you talked to a girl. I just expect this Colts team on Saturday, with this situation, I, I expect... I'm not going to be, hey... It was a surprisingly fun season, and that's enough. not enough for me. And I flat guarantee it's not enough for them. At some point, I just want to see you know, all this talk that we have turn into something more than a disappointing loss, or turn into something more than oh, we got to transition into off-season discussion. I'm not ready for that. Back to that and you at 239-1070 in just a second. Meantime, via me and the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Indianapolis Star, he covers the Colts. Nate Atkins is with us. What do you make? I'm sure you probably looked at both injury reports. Of course, you cover the Colts, but maybe a little bit of look-see on that Texans injury card, at least on this Wednesday leading up to the Saturday night Affair. Saturday Night Affair. What do you make of it on both sides where we sit right now on this Wednesday before the game?
5: Well, as of right now, I think you'd have to feel better about kind of where the Colts are compared to where the Texans are at. So the only kind of negative uh, development for the Colts compared to where they were to start the week is Ryan Kelly is in a walking boot and missed practice today. And, yeah, you know, that's a tricky situation. He's, he's fought through a lot, played through a lot. I imagine he'll give it some kind of go. But they got Kenny Moore back from the back injury, Uh, They had a scare with Quentin Nelson's ankle, but he's out there uh, practicing again. Uh, And Braden Smith is, uh, you know, still working back from the knee, but but showed a lot on Sunday to work through that and play. So they're mostly as healthy as they could be at this point, you know, given the other players that they've lost. Uh, Meanwhile, the Texans are just going through it at a couple positions, wide receiver and pass rusher that are, really important to this game. Almost all their pass rushers are not practicing at the moment. Probably a situation like Ryan Kelly, where I'm sure they're, you know, it's a winner-take-all game, and the sounds from from, what, from guys over there, it sounds like they're going to give it a go, too, but you mix that with, you know, missing some uh, wide receivers, Noah Brown and, and Robert Woods, after they already lost Tink Dell, and these things do tend to add up, so I think the Colts have to feel a little bit better. The one the one thing I keep in mind, though, that, that does help the Texans out is they got Larry Mutunsel back at practice, their star left tackle. He did not play week two against the Colts. It was a big reason they were able to get a strip sack to take the lead in that game and go up by so much. So things do to, kind of ebb and flow with this stuff. But for the most part, I think the Colts are the healthier team right now. Uh, and, and you're uh, right, and, and too,
2: yeah. Nate. You look back at that week three, I believe it was, meeting, and they're – their offensive line in Houston was decimated with injury.
5: Yeah. You know, and Anthony Richardson played that game, too, and got them the lead with two great rushing touchdowns, and that sort of was also the beginning of D.J. Stroud's breakout that sort of happened in the second half of that game, and he finished with 384 yards, uh, you know, but too little, too late, but you know, he went on to win eight of his next 12 starts, so you know that game was it just feels like two different teams looking back at it. The Houston Colts and kind of the very early stages of the C.J. Stroud, D'Amico, Ryan, Texans. So I think we're going to get a little bit uh, different teams on, on Saturday night.
2: So where do we make the relation to that that first win by the Colts of the two uh, this season, of course, Houston and the Colts on Saturday night? So where D'Amico Ryan had mentioned, there is no really relatable to that first meeting in September to what we're going to see coming up on Saturday night here. Would you agree with that?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Texans would love to believe that because they didn't play super well in that game. And they have reason to believe that because they've changed at a few levels. Another one is, you know, back then they were riding with Damian Pierce as their running back, and they found out about midseason that Devin Singletary is much, much better, and they've changed their run game ever since they went to him. So I understand why they say that. At the same time, Tate Bell was very big in that game. You know, he didn't play. He's, he's out for the year now. Uh, and, you know, the Colts did not have Jonathan Taylor back then. So, uh, you know, th- it is a different situation entirely. It's uh, You know, it makes a little bit more of a wild card situation this week than you normally have between teams that played in the same division.
2: So Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Is it as, as simple as the philosophy we have seen so far that has led to Colts wins? Is it uh, protective football, be able to run it, have your offensive line play the best they can to be better than the opposition, opposition's defensive front? And then to put pressure on the quarterback, because it seems like those three things, if the Colts do it right to a higher level, they win – if there is a flaw in that system, then that's when you end up getting games like Atlanta on Christmas Eve.
5: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting looking back at this cold season because for a long time, I've, I've had a hard time figuring out week to week if they were going to win or not. And it does feel like it comes down to game script so much with them where if they can run the ball and if they can support Gardner Minshew with run, with the run game and the Pass rush, and the quarterback they're facing isn't too much, then uh, then they can kind of come away with wins. Where they've fallen apart, uh, those two games on the road against the Bengals and Falcons have come when uh, you know those they were able to, the run game was able to disappear really quickly. Either those teams were in the bare fronts, which made it hard to run, or really what happened was they just scored so much so quickly that the Colts had to to kind of put it on Gardner and obvious drop-back pass situations, and that's just not where he's going to be at his best. He needs to operate in the RPO game and play action in some of the quick three-step drops and moments where you know some of the the trick plays they've rolled out, moments where it isn't just so obvious that they have to drop back and pass right now. And so a lot of it does come down to their defense. It's on their pass rush to uh, make quarterbacks uncomfortable and speed them up Uh, But it's also on their ability to tackle in the run game. And that's what's been weird is ever since Grover Stewart came back, the run defense has been very hit or miss, where there's moments like against the Raiders where they really handled it well. Uh, But there's been moments against the Bengals and the the Falcons where they didn't tackle well enough. And really they were able to – it's kind of all about can the the run game get to that second level where I think the Colts are – Going through it a little bit with injuries and influx at linebacker and safety. Uh, But it's the the thing we haven't seen in a long, long time is them face like a high level quarterback. Uh, The only one I'd say in the past couple months that would be in the realm of CJ Stroud is Baker Mayfield. But Baker got an ankle injury in that first drive, missed a little bit of time, came back in, and that ended up being one of his worst performances in an otherwise very good year. I think you have to go back early in the season to when they played a three three straight games against C.J. Lamar Jackson and Matthew Stafford, uh, and they were able to, to win two of those. Uh, but you know, but you saw some leaks against Stafford and and C.J. Stroud uh, or Trevor Lawrence would be the other one. You know, and they uh, they lost two games against him. So it's definitely harder when they go up against a quarterback that can put the pressure on their offense to not just live through the run game but answer scores. And that's where ultimately to me it comes down to the Colts defense can they tackle well enough in the run game – do force CJ into obvious dropback situations and can their pass rush win, I think that's kind of what's going to decide the game on Saturday.
2: Jonathan Taylor is 5-0 and in the past against the Texans. Now, obviously did not play in the initial matchup in that win, and it was Zach Moss who shouldered that particular load in that win back in, in September. Is there any relatables with the past in that 5-0 and and nearly 125 yards a game from Taylor against the Texans? Can you compare that at all with this Texans defense he'll match up against? And is he able, is he capable of shouldering that load if need be Saturday night?
5: I think the one relatable piece is just that Jonathan Taylor is a really good player. And we saw that again on Saturday against the Raiders. He's been, he had 96 yards. He's been itching for that first 100-yard game. And against the Texans, that used to be every single time he'd play, which is both about him and about them. You know, they would... The Colts would often get a lead and they just kind of milk it with Jonathan Taylor. And so it's a different type of Texans team. And they've really, really gotten better in the run defense. The last second half of the season, they've been absolutely dominant. And that's just sort of that D'Amico Ryan's effect of building a defense uh, throughout the season. So it's going to be harder for sure for the Colts in uh, Jonathan Taylor. It helps to have Zach Moss. Uh, it sounds like he's going to play at forearm injury. Even Trey Sermon has looked pretty good over the past few weeks. Uh, but no doubt they have to find a way to, to run the ball better uh, than, than some of these games. And that's where Braden Smith coming back uh, was really good against the Raiders. So I, I definitely don't expect Taylor to just you know, have this, the same ease he had in previous matchups with the Texans. But for them to win, he's going to have to have a good game, and they're going to have to run the ball if we come out of this and say that the the, Colts, the Texans shut down the Colts' run game, I think we're also going to say that the Texans won the game. So that is a huge part of it. And I think for the Colts, they feel okay about that, considering you know we'll see with Ryan Kelly and his health. But getting Braden Smith back was a huge, huge lift. And now they're going to have three different running backs that they trust to carry the ball. And that's going to be pretty helpful, especially when you add in the fact that Jonathan Taylor, not much mileage this year uh, just due to the – the thumb injury and the contract situation. So if there is a game to really ride him, uh, if he's hot, it's going to be this week.
2: Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I kind of look at this this team defensively a couple of different ways, and I know you get all of these questions. Where do you stand with Gus Bradley? Um, is this a game in which, if he doesn't win, is it going to be hit or miss whether or not he, he is brought back? Is he already in that standing? Or do you look at it more with Gus Bradley and this defense as he's doing the most with what he has, especially at the back end of that defense right now? How do you assess where they are with their defensive coordinator moving into this winner take all, go to the postseason matchup?
5: Well, all season Shane's been very supportive of Gus Bradley. They have a history before here, so it is an arranged marriage. But they also worked together in San Diego, and you know, and so he had a feel for him, and they they really like Gus Bradley as a teacher and as a leader, and you know, a a lot of these different levels. Uh, I do. There could be a conversation eventually. I think the conversation with him is more about philosophically what kind of defense do you want to run because he likes to run a single high defense in a league that's moving more too high to take away uh, the natural explosive pass games. Uh, so that, that could that's more of the conversation. but as far as kind of performance level within what he's trying to run, I do think he's getting the most out of what he has for the most part. you know to live basically all season with two rookie outside cornerbacks in this league. I mean that's asking for a rebuild, and I think that's exactly what the Colts asked for in the beginning, is they thought this was going to be a rebuild, and so to hold, you know, he's in some way he's being held to the fact that, you know the the Colts offense has overachieved so much. I saw today where they're tenth in the league in scoring, and that's with a backup quarterback and you know all the other issues they've had. So relative to that, uh, you know I guess the performance hasn't been as good, but for the most part he has managed having these rookie quarterbacks and just other issues that have popped up between Shaquille Leonard you know, did not end up being the player that they hoped because of health. Uh, you know, Grover Stewart getting suspended, that hurt. Uh, you know, the one thing I've pinned on him that I think is fair, that finally he's rectified, is Nick Cross's playing time. I think they should have made him the free safety much earlier in the season, and they would have been in less of a compromised position to give up those explosive plays. Uh, which they ended up kind of overdoing it, playing more too high late in the season rather than playing the best version of them. So right now I think he has them with what their personnel is at the best version of what they can be. Uh, I think if they fall short this week or if they make it and they fall short next week, eventually it's going to come at the hands of a high-level passing game, and that's just kind of life with two rookie outside cornerbacks. So uh, Gus hasn't been perfect But I think if there's a downfall to this defense, it's the one that they entered the season with, which is not investing in one of the most premium positions on the team.
2: And and Nate, certainly he he takes the criticism for a lot of what you just talked about. And that's just, again, coming with the territory. But how much props does he receive for the type of, of sack season up front that this team is having defensively this year?
5: He, uh, he gets some for that because, you know, he's building a, a pass rush without that dominant edge rusher. And so you see a lot of these that are teams that are really good at this around the league, like, you know, the Browns and the Cowboys and the Steelers and the 49ers, they all have that guy who's pushing for, you know, the league lead in sacks who is a, a high, high investment first-round pick type max contract edge rusher. And the Colts have – a somewhat of a version of that in Force Buckner on the interior, but rarely do you see outside of an Aaron Donald that that keys one of the best pass rushes as an overall team. And it's working this year because they've mixed and matched a lot of different guys where they've seen the strides out of uh, Dio Dangbo and Quiddy Pay as they're growing up. They, they took a chance on, and the front office deserves a lot of credit for this too, and going out and getting Samson Ebicom who came from one of those situations with a high-level pass rusher, Nick Bosa, but he's stepped in and taken his game to another level. Uh, you know, getting something, the roles they built inside and out for Tyquan Lewis and Dio Dangbo have helped them mix it up on teams quite a bit. And then, you know, they have had a very lucky bill of health at that spot where guys who've been hurt in the past, Woody Pay, Dio Dengbo, Tyquan Lewis have all stayed healthy this season. And so that's sort of transformed. And so, yeah, last year, their pass rush was pretty good until it fell off late with the injuries to Pay and uh, Taekwon Lewis. And they felt maybe one more guy away. This year, they went out and they got that guy. They stayed healthy. And they're fifth in the league in sacks. And they have the most sacks that Indianapolis has ever had out of an NFL team. And so I think you got to give them credit for building this out one year to the next and a lot of people, a lot of different people get credit for the players, the, the front office. But uh, you, you, I don't think you can separate Gus from that either.
2: Nate, I don't know if you heard this on the way in. I kind of explained this game on Saturday night in this fashion. And I know that it is a surprise, the position the Colts are in right now with that possibility to go to the postseason, with that possibility to win the division still. Uh, that is a huge surprise. To most. And I know a lot of people look at this as a playing with house money game on Saturday. However, I don't. I look at it as you played yourself into this situation, take advantage of it. I have expectations, and I have expectations that will be incredibly disappointed if they lose this game. Is this a house money matchup to you, or is this one that comes rotten with expectations where they should be able to take care of this team? At home, given this Saturday night situation?
5: Uh, well, I, I look at it as house money, just given the fact that they went into the season trying to rebuild. Uh, like I mentioned, an outside cornerback and waiting to get the Jonathan Taylor contract done. And then they lost Anthony Richardson and went to a backup quarterback. So I do think they have to be grateful they're in this spot. I understand why those two, you know, fans of the Colts, you know, do expect more. You You want your team to. Uh, to take a shot. The players are in that spot too now. They they are surprised I think some of them are surprised they've gotten here, but now that they're here, like Reggie Wayne said, like don't don't just uh twist the knob in the door, let's kick it open. Like I understand that idea that like this team used to be a perennial playoff team and then you know then they so much heartbreak has happened between you know, losing Andrew Luck and the collapse in twenty twenty one and how disappointing last season was. So I understand when you have this opportunity, win and get in, like they did in 2021, didn't take advantage of, that you want to be able to do it. And it does matter for all these other things, too, where to get this team a playoff game after all they suffered through last year and and fell short of, to get these young players, young corners and the, the young players starting on this team, playoff experience, and to get Shane Sykin, that sort of runway to keep building out this culture and the schemes on both sides of the ball, to take it in next year where you can drop Anthony Richardson in, you know, that is important. And so I, I understand it being it's not nothing if they lose, and it's, it's some, it is something if they win. To me, it's going to kind of, as far as how I'm going to kind of word it or, you know, sum it up, to me it comes down to how they lose or why they lose. If it's ultimately because they didn't have the quarterback, the Texans have their top five pick available, and the Colts just fell short in that area, that's where I think you can feel like this was a house money year and you're excited for, for getting back Anthony Richardson next year. You know, if it's other if it's other things that feel more in the control of the places they've tried to build this team, like the pass rush or their offensive line or their run game, uh, if those areas fall short, then I'd, I'd – definitely think there's room to be disappointed this is basically a playoff game and no matter how you get there you, know, you expect to, to compete and you want to try and win and the players are in that spot and so i think it's reasonable for people watching the team to be in that spot too i,
2: I hesitate to ask this but i will anyway while i have you here and you obviously bring up gardner Minshew, the backup quarterback and and this season um, what will likely be his offseason value, and will that value outweigh – I'm assuming, and this is just me, there's no way in the world unless you have to break the bank that if I'm the Colts, I would let him go someplace else. I would want him to be here again for next year just in case you have to break the glass on him but where is his value you think going to be after the season as a backup that he has had considering where the colts are at the end of this season
5: it's all going to come down to if he can find a place where he has a chance to go in and compete to start which he will not have this year thought he would have it Heading into this year, just based on the timing, and at that time they actually didn't know which quarterback they were going to draft. Uh, But last year he did not have that market. That's why he signed a deal for, you know, between three and four million dollars. That's backup money, and that was coming off a year with the Eagles where he started a couple games filling in for Jalen Hurts, but was very, very clearly the backup. So the league had kind of shifted to understanding him as a backup, and uh, you know I have a. I would assume that that's right now where most of the league is because most of the league is going to try to – you try to set higher – you try to swing for the fences a little bit where you either have that guy or you're just building it with a rookie uh, with a draft pick. But you never know. I mean, there's there's teams that are – kind of get caught in between. There's – you know, there's backups that end up finding uh, life later on or guys that just – You you know the league thought one thing and there's something else like we're seeing that with Joe Flacco right now. Geno Smith's the other story like that. So uh, Gardner, you know if it's if it comes down to a backup job for him, I'd be surprised if he leaves because of what he was able to show this year to his teammates, to his coaches, and the fact that like you have Anthony Richardson, you do need to invest in a backup quarterback because he's a running quarterback and the injury concerns are what they are so i don't you know as far as a backup situation i don't know that he's going to find much better than the one he's at but i don't know that they'll break the bank for that either they're ready to move this heading into next year really move this thing in anthony richardson's arms where they believe they have the team and the offense and the coach and the scheme to just kind of really go for it next year be a playoff team with anthony richardson with all the things that have been positive about their offense just sub in this quarterback who you know, has, has a big-time arm strength and, you know, is an electric runner and all of that. Uh, so they'll invest in a backup that's at least serviceable. But uh, if he's if he has any kind of financial market, if he has a chance to go start somewhere, I'm, I'm pretty sure Gardner's the type of competitor that he's going to want to take that opportunity. Uh, so it's just hard to say until we see how the draft goes to see whether – there's some team that gets left out that wants to
2: give him that chance. Nate Atkins of the Star with us. Quickly, a final thing, and sure it it doesn't matter, I guess, other than just kind of the the gossipy portion of it. But um, yeah, it doesn't matter unless the Colts win on Saturday. Of uh, McKenzie and Brown, this would be the final game of their suspension. Let's just see if the Colts win, would either one of them happen to be back anywhere near this locker room and this roster?
5: Uh, well, they are – technically, by the way the Colts wrote the suspension, they are eligible to be back if they make the postseason. Uh, I have not heard anything definitively, but it would really, really surprise me if either one is. Uh, so they've – the day after this all went down, they, they moved their locker stalls out of the out of the locker room and, um, and pretty much pushed them aside. So um, it's possible – we don't know all what's going on behind the scenes if there's ways – that they've gone about trying to rectify some of this, but you know they've also found guys in some of those positions to do the jobs that they were here for, which were sort of you know were, were depth jobs like backup nickel corner. That's Chris Lamont stepped in on set Sunday for that uh, punt returner. Josh Downs has handled that pretty reasonably well. So. I think that was a moment where Shane, uh, he came out and said, we have standards on this team and guys need to know that. I think that's the message they want to kind of send and, and just kind of letting that ride out is a way to do that. So, I personally, I'd be surprised if we see them again. Is this, you just, know. Is
2: this just the path of this team under the, the leadership of, of Shane Steichen? Why has there been zero transparency as to what actually went down? Because normally you hear something. Normally there's some sort of leak. But everything, and I mean everything, is on lockdown with this story. Why?
5: Yeah, I mean, part of it is Shane is very – Uh, tight-lipped about anything that has to, a lot of subjects really, including scheme and injuries. But certainly when it comes to things said and done kind of in private settings, like he doesn't even like to get into conversations he has with individual players, even when they're not, you know, there's nothing really to give up there. Uh, So that's just kind of his style. I think he fears like a lot of coaches, the distraction that'll come with, you know, headlines forming and, uh, you know, and some of that will happen even when you don't reveal what it is, because people theorize, and that's the state of the internet. But that's just sort of how he's approached every kind of situation. Didn't get much into Grover Stewart. Didn't didn't talk much about the behind-the-scenes conversations with Shaquille Leonard. Uh, and then now, you know, with Drew Ogletree, didn't you know didn't want to get into kind of even when they kind of found out about that situation. So uh, it's just kind of his way of doing things, where they just. They do not want to worry about anything other than the game that's right in front of them, and to kind of spend time talking about these other situations to him would be uh, kind of antithetical to what they're trying to get done. So uh, as far as that situation with Isaiah and, and Tony, uh, you know, it's something where it may come out eventually. It's it's one of those where nobody that's involved, kind of, clearly nobody that's involved wants to get it out. Isaiah and Tony, you know, are the ones who – who committed whatever infraction it was and then uh, Shane Steichen and his entire team like just trying not to get anything to get out there that's going to sort of rock the boat as they're trying to stay focused on a playoff push. So it's I've seen these situations before these the truth tends to come out eventually but it's not surprising too surprising that, uh, while they're in this playoff push, that they've they've just kind of been able to keep it in-house.
2: Nate Atkins of the Star with us covers the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. See you in the press box coming up on Saturday night. Enjoy the rest of your week, Nate. Thank you.
5: Yes, sir. We'll see you there.
2: Nate Atkins of the Star, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Thank you for joining us. Rob Blackman called the Boilermaker win on the road in Maryland last night. Rob joins us next. Big show on the road tomorrow at Crafters in Carmel. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul tequila shots. Give you a rundown on the guest list and then some. That's coming up next.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: The Ride with JMV. Come on, minutes. it? They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments.
4: The a real sweat.
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: Oh, thank you for joining us, Nate Atkins of the Star. Crafters Carmel tomorrow. Love to see you up there. Love to see you inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. That'll be fired up tomorrow. Brayton Smith, right tackle of the Colts, going to join us coming up on tomorrow's show, too city bourbon locks, Luna Azul tequila shots coming up tomorrow. Crafters in Carmel. And, again, we would love to see you up there. Uh, meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show, voice of the Boilermakers. Quick turnaround time for Rob Blackman last night in the state of Maryland. Back home today, I'm assuming, in and around Zionsville. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So uh, how much sleep did we gather last night, Rob?
11: Oh, not bad, John. in bed by two fifteen uh bad. didn't didn't roll out of bed till ten fifteen. Nice. I got solid, yeah, I got the solid eight hours. Well the done. beauty of having your kids old enough to have driver's licenses, right they can they can <laughs> do their own things in the morning so you don't have to wake up and mess with them. so yeah, I'm no, I'm feeling good, man eight hours of sleep feeling good.
2: that is well played by you right, there, but I really, I expect nothing less. Than you, well playing basically everything to that capacity, and you know what, you're professional. That's why I mentioned that. And I thought that to me was a very professional win by the Boilers last night. I mean, nothing, you know, outrageous, nothing extravagant. It was just going and getting a win, playing through a lot of things against a team that's not great but really good at home. Going there, getting the win, coming back home, prepping for the next one.
11: Yeah, very workmanlike. Uh, that's well put. Uh, I think you use the word professional, but that's kind of what it felt like—just kind of get in, and, uh, take care of business, and get out of town. And that's exactly what Purdue did. It wasn't? Yeah, you said it wasn't real flashy. I mean, uh, Purdue did shoot well from the three-point line—forty-five percent from three—but it's not like Purdue was really, you know, tearing it up from the three-point line by any means. They made I think nine, nine or twenty threes. I think last night didn't didn't get to a foul line a lot. They, had 10 free throws total, which is actually pretty rare for Purdue. Normally Purdue's up in the 25 to 30 free throws a game category. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, and and the fact that, you know, the crowd wasn't really into it, the students are still on break at Maryland and Purdue jumped out of that eight, nothing lead early. And it just really just zapped all whatever energy that was going to be in the crowd to begin with. I mean, it just kind of zapped them uh, all that energy. So Yeah, I mean, uh, from a broadcast standpoint, quite frankly, there wasn't a whole lot to get excited about. You just (laughs) kind of, okay, ho-hum, let's get the job done, let's head home. So. Uh, uh, Scott Van Pelt was there. I guess that was the highlight of the night. Outside of that, man, there there wasn't
2: much to it last night. Rob Blackman, voice to the Boilermakers. Uh, 67-53, their win over Maryland last night. Rob's on the Andy Moore Automotive Crew potline. I want to ask you this, and this really doesn't have much to do with with the present Boilermakers. Uh, I I guess it could, considering his game. Zach Eady was the normal Zach Eady, 23-12 in that win last night. And I've seen some ESPN Draft analyst suggesting that Zach Eady is is climbing up the draft board, um, and is getting into the the lottery selection territory. I don't know if that is you know uh, basically a uh, an overall ESPN draft expert thought, but uh, a couple of them do have that. And I'm going to ask you because you've seen him more than anybody else. Where is he advancing in his game that maybe folks out there thought previously he could never get?
11: Well, his uh, his on-ball defense in the pick and roll situation has gotten a lot better. I mean, he has come miles in that, that one particular area. Uh, he used to be a real liability out there at that high uh, top of the key high high, uh, uh, high area of the of the free, of the pardon me the three-point line uh, top of the key area in that pick and roll stuff. Uh, but man, he's gotten so much better at that. Just being able to stay down in a stance. And certainly not, you know, stay in front of a guy like, say, a Jameer Young. He's not going to do that. He's never going to be able to do that at seven foot four. But at least move quickly enough laterally to at least hold a Jameer Young, say, uh, for example, at bay until Purdue can get and can make the proper rotations defensively. Uh, that used to be a really, really tough spot that Purdue was put in defensively. And that's not the case anymore. He's done such a much better job of doing that these days. So, That's really the area I've seen him improve the most. I think what most people are just now seeing this year, uh, although I think it's always been the case, he's a very good passer and a very willing passer. It's just the problem is in the past, especially last year, Purdue wasn't making any shots. You know, Purdue shot 32% from three last year, and I have no idea what the numbers would look like if you went back and, and tallied them up, but... I'd hate to think how many of those misses came off perfect passes inside out from Zach Eadie, where he delivered the perfect pass to his teammate and they just missed a wide-open three. That hasn't been the case this year. Purdue's been making those shots uh, at a much higher clip. So that has helped. in it. So all, you sudden, all of a sudden you see the assist numbers and you're like, oh, well, he's become a much better passer. Well, no, quite frankly, his teammates have become better shooters, so they don't have anything to do with his passing ability. He's always been a good passer. Uh, now, he'll never be Travion Williams-like. that. That's the best big-man passer I've ever seen in my 19 years at Purdue. But he is a very willing and able passer. So, But certainly the defense, the on-ball defense, and more importantly the pick-and-roll defense, he's gotten much better at. I don't – you know, I told you this before, John, I don't follow the NBA game uh, closely enough to be able to give you any type of an educated guess on if he's going to be a first-round pick or a lottery pick or where even he would fit in on a team – Uh, But I do know uh, guys like him don't come around very often. I mean, my gosh, 7'4", 300 pounds, the things he's been doing the last season and a half. And it's to the point now, and we actually, we, me and and the coaches, just sitting around waiting to get on the bus to head to the airport last night. One thing we're now starting to see, you know, not only is Zach a really, really popular player at Mackey Arena, now he's a popular player everywhere. Yeah, I
2: saw that last night. The oh, pictures I mean, and the autographs, he had lines yeah, for, of for people. The Maryland
11: folks. Yeah, yeah, the Maryland
2: uh, fans and
11: kids. And, uh, they, they, now they all want their picture and their autograph from, from Zach Eadie. So we, I, I don't remember us ever uh, having a player like that, not in my tenure. Yes, at Mackey Arena, obviously you have the home fans that always stick around and want an autograph or a picture. But now you have the, the opposing team's fans that are, that are hanging around and wanting to get a piece of Zach Eadie. So it's really something, man, and it, it's, part, it's fun to be a part of. What, what little part I'm a part of, it. but, man, it is – yeah, he, he's something else. I'll tell you that.
2: Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network to play-by-play voice on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So fast forward to Friday, one of those Friday night collegiate games of the Big Ten where number 9 Illinois comes – to Mackey Arena, and uh, it wasn't hard to notice last night, and we know the situation with with Terrence Shannon Jr., uh, but they absolutely beat the brakes off of Northwestern last night. 96 on the board. That was 46 in the first half. They followed that up with 50 in the second half. So without their really no doubt best player, he being out suspended right now. man. Illinois put up some big numbers last night against a team, obviously, that has a win over Purdue earlier this season.
11: Yeah, now I have not seen that game. I do have it taped, but I haven't watched it back yet. Uh, so all I know is following it on my phone, uh, driving to the airport last night, uh, just keeping up on the stats. Yeah,
2: Northwestern could not uh, – they couldn't throw in the ocean.
11: That's
2: what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, uh, they could uh, not. It, 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 I it mean, Brooks Brooks was 3 of 12. I think uh, Bowie was 6 of 14. Uh, he was the only one that really did did anything. And uh, yeah. it was a pretty bad night. Bad, bad night all the way around for Northwestern.
11: And they're, they're not a team that guards very well to begin with. I yeah. mean, even in the loss, Purdue scored 88 points up there. But – Look, when you look at Illinois, I don't even with Terrence Shannon not playing. I mean, they they don't seem to be. I didn't think they'd be lacking for offense, and obviously they're not. Just because of all the different guys they have that can score the ball. Um, you know, Marcus Damask has been such a great pickup for them. Uh, has a uh, has a transfer, almost said free agent. <laughs> has a transfer portal signing. He scored at yeah. will
2: against Florida Atlantic in that game a month oh, ago. Man, so at good. will.
11: Yeah. No, I did see yeah. that game. I did see that yeah. game. So good. Uh, and then, yeah, so you look at – and then, you know, they have a guy coming off the bench in Luke Goody, who's a, who's a three-point shot maker. Um, and that's a guy that plays off the bench for him. Ty Rogers, I would say, is the only guy on their team that doesn't scare you offensively as far as a shot maker. But he's so good in all the other things that he does, has a facilitator and has a defender and has just a hard-nosed, you know, tough, extra effort guy. I mean, quite frankly, you know, Brad Brad Underwood – Still has plenty of pieces I mean yes you would love to have a guy that was probably going to be first team all-american on your on your club but it's not like they're void of talent just because Terrence Shannon isn't playing for them anymore so uh Coleman Hawkins making you know it can obviously make open threes so yeah that's going to be a hell of a game Friday night that'll be that'll be a lot of fun and you know it's it's a deal where it's going to be a sold out crowd at Mackey Arena um, but the students are not back so um, there certainly will be great enthusiasm enthusiasm in the building, but it's always just a little bit different when it's not the students bringing the enthusiasm. So that, that that's going to be a who help.
2: sits in the paint crew.
11: Just random uh, just, people. Yeah. Yeah. General fans. Yeah. Those, so those tickets are for sale to the, to the public uh, for those games when the students are gone. So yeah, that, that's who it'll be. Yes.
2: Man, if I'm a student, I would come back or I wouldn't want to miss if, if your team were number one, would you yeah. not come back early and make sure you were a part of that?
11: Uh, well, one would have thought the Maryland fans students would have wanted to come back and watch their guys play a number one team in the country, but that didn't, did not happen. Last well, night.
2: Scott Van Pelt was there though. That's good. He
11: was there. He was there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I look, like I said, still going to be sold out, still going to be loud and still be a lot of a really fun environment. But again, it always just feels a little bit different from when the students aren't there. Now, is that going to make a difference in the outcome of the game? I certainly don't think so, but it's going to be, man, it's going to be a good one. Think about it. Number one versus number nine uh, in, in a conference game, nonetheless. Uh, that, that's going to be pretty awesome.
2: So, Rob Blackman, final thing before I let you go we're going to see consistency here down the road during the Big Ten season from, let's see, Kaufman Wren, Gillis first. Um, Because I I think certainly we we talk about the backcourt all the time. We've talked about that ad nauseum. I know that that Fletcher didn't have a good game last night, uh, at least offensively speaking. But it would seem like that one of those three I just mentioned previously would have to jump on board and and give it a more night in and night out, consistent look in that box score, whether it's offense or defense. Are we going to get that?
11: You know, I wouldn't be that concerned about any of the guys you mentioned there uh, only because – they have certainly shown signs of being good enough uh, offensively. Uh, the fact of the matter is, even when they're not giving you enough, what you would think is enough on offense on a given night, they're still helping. You know, I let you, like the plus-minus numbers last night, I have them in front of me. You know, Trey was a plus-eight. Mason was a plus-eight. Fletcher, who I w- I'm with you, I didn't think he played a great game. He ended up being plus-20. Yeah. That's plus-minus on the team. So, those guys – I think and look, I, I'm I'm guilty of it too. You look at only their their total points in the box score, and you feel like, well, maybe they didn't have a great game, didn't play well. But then you look at their overall contribution, and more importantly, the plus minus, and you're like, man, yeah, they actually really did play well. It just wasn't one of those things that shows up in the box score. So, I, I, I think all all three of those guys you talked about are I I, I would not be concerned about them. If I'm a Purdue fan, uh, my concern is this time of year, as it is every. Every year at this time of the year uh, with the younger guys, uh, Colvin and Heidi, uh, the freshmen, because they're just now really getting into the teeth of what is big-time high-level college basketball. And I know, yes, they played some pretty big high-level games against the Arizonas of the world, the Gonzagas of the world, the Tennessees, but now you're in conference play, which is just a totally different animal. Because now, as Matt Painter likes to say, now you have to play road games. <laughs> it's not yeah. – those neutral side games, they're tough, yes, but it's it's nothing like playing on the road in the Big Ten. So those are always the guys that concern me. Uh, those freshmen getting their first crack at big-time, high-level basketball on the road in the Big Ten. Uh, those are the guys I always have a little concern about.
2: Yeah, and uh, evidently your numbers were up again last night because that bad boy was on Peacock, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah,
11: Peacock is good for the radio broadcast team because we, uh, from what I hear, get a lot of listeners. Uh, a lot of folks like me that are old and can't figure out how to use the streaming service, so they say the hell with it and just listen to the radio broadcast.
2: Uh, old and proud of it is what we should say. Old and proud of it. Yes, absolutely.
11: If you if it require, requires some type of sign-in or log-in or password, uh, forget about it, man.
2: <laughs> I, I'll, I'm, I'm in the dark. Uh, I just, uh, I'm at a point where I just don't want to jack with it. I oh, you know. I'm so, I mean, I have a desk full
11: of passwords for different websites. Yeah. I'm like, for the love of God, can we just, anyway, I'm just, I, I, well, I'm, right,
2: I'm right there with you, too. I, I get on this smart TV and I go, God, can you just, turn it on uh, and I get to the channel that I'm, I mean, is it that hard? It takes like, it takes like 10 minutes to fire it up and then you got to go through all these steps. Can you just turn on to the channel in which I want to watch? I mean, right. And I'm probably there probably is a way. I just, I'm not understanding of it.
11: So, well, then it's you're right. Which, which service do you want to watch and what's your passwords for that service? And <laughs> yes, it's uh, w- too difficult for me, but Hey, you and I are roughly the same age. We yes. grew up when they were Three channels on the television.
2: That was it. I grew up when the remote control was my foot changing the knob on the TV. I was laying on the floor. Hey, can you get that on channel two? Yeah, let me get that really right. quick. Yeah. Big toe. Exactly. Yeah. So fourth toe right there. That's That was the remote, co- remote control then.
11: I remember, I remember when the Fox Network came on board, and now we had four different channels. I thought that was, uh, that was real progress <laughs> at the time.
2: Uh, see, I remember when I used to climb the television light pole out there in my yep. yard and climb up there so I could turn it to a direction in which I could get Channel 7 out of Evansville. So, yeah, so
11: we had, uh, I'm with deal. you, I grew up on a farm, uh, yeah. rural, and so we had the antenna, absolutely, where you had to spin it to, you know, with, point whichever direction which city you were hoping to catch their television broadcast from yeah oh i know that feeling brother
2: that's right abc was i was because we had 38 out of Terre haute and sometimes that wouldn't come in RTV six obviously but i was a little bit far out of that but uh, sometimes it was channel seven the then abc affiliate down in evansville where i had to go and watch three's company yes
11: it always depended on the weather, right? It <laughs> uh, did. Yeah. There were some nights, you know, we were close enough to Chicago. Some nights we could get Chicago television. Some nights not. Some nights we could get South Bend television. Some nights not. Yep. So yeah, kind of it depended on Mother Nature too, on whether or not you're going to be able to watch any television that night or not.
2: It did. Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hope you had a great Christmas and celebrating that new year and uh, we'll do it oftentimes over the course of this Big Ten campaign. Rob, appreciate you. Okay, John. Happy New Year. Right back at you. Rob Blackman on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Quick break. We've got some Anything Goes coming up at you after the top of the hour as well and tomorrow's show on the road. I'll tell you when and where. Coming up next. The Ride with JMV.
1: Give me my theme music!
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: Rob Blackman, Nate. Adkins. A big show today with that in mind, too. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana. Also a little bit earlier, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. Braden Smith of the Colts joins us coming up tomorrow. Uh, What else we got tomorrow? Mike Chappell? Mike
6: Chappell, cool. Zach Kiefer.
2: Ah, Zach's coming on tomorrow? Yep. Oh, man, cool. All right, then. Pretty good show tomorrow from Crafters on hand. Very exciting. Hey, I've got time here. Here's what I want to do. Tell you what, I see you guys on hold. Stay right there. Let's do some Anything Goes. You want to get into Anything Goes a little bit earlier? Make sure we got time to do that for you. Uh, we'll do a little AAA membership lounge anything goes coming up here after 6 o'clock. 239 you know the drill on that. When we go a little extra time, we'll do some anything goes. That is you and me coming up next. We'll leave you a little bit of time. And again, the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live and some after 6 anything goes. If you're on hold, stay there. If you're not, get there at 239 so, anything goes next. The Ride with JMV. It's
1: 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas,
0: half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: All right, crank me up here. Let's do some uh, anything else. Been a while. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live presents... An after six o'clock edition of Anything Goes. I don't really care what we do here. It's up to you guys. 239 1070. We have about nine minutes or so right here, I think, in the ballpark before they take us off and we get a Colts update and go to Pacer pregame. Big one, by the way, Cambridge Fieldhouse later on tonight. The Bucks and the Pacers. Chris Middleton is going to be available. For the Bucs. We thought maybe he would not be available. Evidently, he will be. Uh, Pat Connington, I believe, is a game-time decision. A little bit ill, but we shall see. Also, as I mentioned, IU on the road in to Nebraska tonight at 9, Indiana State and Evansville in the Mo Valley from the Holman Center. That is a 7 o'clock get-together over in Terre Haute. So a little anything goes. We'll go ahead and round your folks up here at 239-1070. Let's start with J-Law, line one here, would you please, James? J-Law, hello. How are you? Sorry about that, J-Law. I made James jump around a little bit right there. He probably appreciated that. So go ahead, J-Law. It's
1: okay,
2: James. Are you you calling right now from Jamaica? I am. it sounds like you're calling from Jamaica.
1: <laughs>
2: it is not. It is not the best connection we've ever had. J Law calling from Jamaica.
1: Oh, I know it sucks down
12: here.
2: everything, but yeah, hey, J Law. I'm sorry, man. We can We can Unfortunately, we can't hear you. I want to get that J Law call from Jamaica. I want to ask about weed and nudity and all that stuff. That's like anything goes. Wheelhouse. J Law from Jamaica. Uh, Fulton, our friend online, too. Anything goes. Hello, Fulton. Hey, JMV. How are you, buddy? Fulton, uh, what do you got, buddy?
8: Well, um, I'm about to do some basketball next Friday.
2: Next Friday, basketball. Yep. What time do you play?
8: Um, I think we have practice at uh, 6 o'clock.
2: 6 o'clock. I'll have to check with you because obviously I'm going to be somewhere on the road doing a show. If I'm close to you, I'll try to make it at the end. If not, we might have to reschedule. But I'm going to try my darndest.
8: Yeah, sounds good. We'll be coming tomorrow so
2: we can see uh, Crafters. Yeah. Oh, you're coming to Crafters tomorrow? i might. My man. Awesome. Fantastic, Fulton! Come out and meet Fulton tomorrow at Crafters. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, say hello to the family, and uh, hopefully, we see you tomorrow in Carmel. I will, Jamie. That is our good friend Fulton right there. Is going to be at Crafters tomorrow. Outstanding. Is that a better line from Jamaica? Hey, J Law, welcome back to Anything Goes live from Jamaica. Go ahead. Hey, can you hear me now? I got you now, buddy.
1: Ah, hey, what's my first ever foam party in the pool. Awesome. Oh, foam party! Along with a bar. Your favorite. Oh man!
2: Now does everybody just walk around with big joints down there?
1: Uh you can smell it. There's a bunch of guys in kayaks along the beach <laughs> selling souvenirs and such.
2: I've not. I've been All to right? the. I've been to the Cayman Islands. I've been to Curacao. I've been to Belize. I've been to Cozumel, but I've never been to Jamaica.
1: But I, I've watched way too much Locked Up Abroad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's probably not a great deal. T- well, they, they don't expect you to sit and watch TV, though, so that's probably not no, something that I, is I'm done. I'm
1: trying to find somewhere to watch the Hoosiers and, uh, or the Pacers later tonight, but Beach Party at 9, and I if the Big Ten Networks down here in Jamaica. Quite honestly, I don't think so.
2: Is um, Is the water clear from top to bottom? Can yeah. you see the bottom?
1: Yes. Oh man. It's really nice. About eighty some degrees. Uh, a little overcast, but man, it's, you know, beats the snow.
2: Man. Now you're drinking a lot of red stripe. Does that come with the territory when you're there?
1: I haven't had it yet. I've had a lot of uh spiced rum. I don't I don't, a lot
2: of, I don't um, know if this is wrong to say, but there may not be a more overrated beer taste in history than red stripe. I mean, the only reason, it's it's Jamaica and it's the bottle, because the taste, I mean, really, the taste is like crap. You know what it is.
1: Yeah, it's a a stubby bottle. Hey, they got red straw light. Yeah, well, it's it's Uh, the
2: same like Rolling Rock. Like, Rolling Rock tastes horrible, but you got a green bottle, and everybody thought in the 90s it was cool holding it. So, but it tastes like crap, too.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it's relaxing. There's no snow.
2: No, that's awesome. Well, you and Susie continue to have a great time down there. I'm glad you're having fun in the pool and a phone we'll party.
1: In, we'll, yeah. yeah, we will call in uh, Friday night. Yeah,
2: I'll be ready. It's going to be something Bob Marley request-wise coming?
1: Hey, hey I, Yeah, probably. I had a Bob and Rita Marley drink. It was awesome.
2: Oh, man, that's nice, too. We could do something Ziggy Marley like Tomorrow People. Very popular in the late yeah. 80s. We can do that as well on or, Friday. Or, uh,
1: I think Jude Marley had something out as well, but I'm not yeah. he was later than that.
2: Yep. So, hey, you and Susie have a great time in Jamaica. Thanks for the call. Will do, man. Take care. It's a J-Law live from Jamaica here on Anything Goes. At line three, give it to me, James, here. It's Kevin. Hello, Kevin.
9: Yo, JMD. Kevin from Jersey. What's going on?
2: Kevin man? in New Jersey. How are you, sir?
9: Ah, just peachy my man. What you got? I just want to talk about how much of a sissy that uh, Jimmy Kimmel is. <laughs> why you say know? that? <laughs> well, of course, you know, he's giving it to Aaron Rodgers about, you know, uh, the aliens and stuff like that, and uh, and about the list that's coming about about that island, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers gives it back to Jimmy Kimmel, and all of a sudden he puts out a text saying, "Oh." Oh, my name is not on that list. I don't know him. I never knew him, and you're putting my family in jeopardy and all this crap. And we'll take it in in court.
2: Hey, now, I mean, were you were you a about, were you a Kimmel fan back when he was on the Man Show with Corolla? You remember those not, days? You know, not, yeah, I never watched him, and I, I,
9: you know, honestly, as he got bigger, I couldn't stand him more. He is such a freaking sissy
0: man.
2: <laughs> I
9: swear to God, you just want to yeah. slap him.
2: Yeah, you know, you know me. I don't get into that type of stuff very often, so I just I I I, I tend to just kind of eh, if if it, uh, it I don't know, how should I put this? If after it's a, if Johnny it's a, if any of this if any down. of this stuff is a real pain in my ass, I tend not to to gravitate toward it, if you know what I mean, I Kevin. You. Yeah. I so. hear you.
9: But you know, after Carson all the late night went to hell, so it doesn't really matter anymore.
2: Not right. Kevin, anything else on this anything goes. No, nah, brother. Just good to talk to you. Take care of yourself, Kevin. Thank you very much. It's anything goes on this Wednesday prior to the Pacer game. Actually, before the Colts daily update, and then the Pacers and the Bucks pregame show. Bottom of the hour. BTR line four is on anything goes. Hello, BTR.
12: Hey, JMV. I just want to give a shout out. Hope you will too. We're longtime listeners. I am, and my best friend Walt. He, we, I won. Bullseye event group tickets from you Friday. Yes. And uh, I called my best friend, Walt. We bought tickets to the game this past Sunday, and Saturday night he went in the hospital from a blood infection, and he's still in there. He's doing better, but damn, Mm. that would have...
2: Been a damn good game for him and I to go Did through. so. Just give a shout out to him. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, please, Walt. Right, Walt. Walter Monda. Walter Monda. Man, now did you guys not get to go, or did you say you did go?
12: No, we did not get to go because he went in the hospital Saturday night.
2: Is he still there right now, too?
12: He is, but he's doing a lot better.
2: All right. Well, you you give him our best. Do you want to go on Saturday?
12: Uh, I'm not sure. My uh, another great friend of mine, he's going to turn 50 on Saturday, so. Uh, well. If, if, you,
2: if you want to go, email me and let me know. Okay. I will do. Yeah, and, and give Walt our best too, man. I'm sorry you couldn't make it.
12: All right, I appreciate JMV. BTR, Love
2: you, right back at you. Anything goes, and our friend Darrell. Hello, Darrell. Hey, John! and Happy New Year, brother! Right back at
1: you. Hey, glad that you're back on the air to keep me busy when I'm out picking up the drunks on Friday and Saturday nights.
2: Yes. Now you got. Um, you're going to be doing some on Friday too. <laughs>
1: I'll be, I'll, I'll be out and about on Friday night and probably taking some people down to the game on Saturday
2: night. Ah, man. Hey, by the way, here, too, Xavier Johnson expected to return for IU right. at guard against Nebraska on the road tonight at 9 o'clock. Just so you know, quickly, that was just mentioned. Go ahead, Daryl, in closing.
1: Hey, just want to again say Happy New Year to everybody out there. I'm glad you're back on the air for Friday night and...
2: Have a good year, brother. You got it. Thank you, Darrell. And again, Xavier Johnson expected to play for IU. Khalil Ware also is expected to play in the reboot of the Big Ten on the road in Nebraska for I.U. That's at nine o'clock later on tonight. Indiana State, Evansville, seven o'clock. They get underway at the Holman Center. We've got the Bucks and the Pacers. Six thirty pregame coverage coming up at the bottom of the hour. James, thank you. Crafters tomorrow. Larceny bourbon locks, Luna Azul tequila shots, Brayden Smith, Mike Chappell, and so much more a part of this show coming up tomorrow. Thank you. For those of you inside the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live, you guys are outstanding per usual. 93.5, 107.5, the fan. The Colts Daily Update, Pacer pregame after that. Enjoy.